When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Wednesday Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means from Cleveland.com. Hey, everybody. This is your big Wednesday Buckeye Talk, and we are looking forward with two twists. We are going to project the 2021 starting lineups, but it's complicated because we're not sure who's going to be back as like fifth year guys playing a fifth year because the NCAA granted an extra year of eligibility basically to everybody, even if you play a football season this year. We don't know how Ohio State's going to manage the roster. So not only are there like NFL guys going, there might be veterans staying and I also think part of the interesting thing is we always sort of account for the guys who have a big year out of nowhere and leave, and that's going to be harder to do. So Nathan and Steven and I are going to go through every possibility, position group by position group, for 2021. And that's what we're doing here on Buckeye Talk. We appreciate you guys joining us. If you want to join the text, we'd love to have you. We just love it. We just, we just can't get enough of you. 614-350-3315. You can send us questions. We send questions back to you. We do surveys. Read Cleveland.com. Drop us some reviews. We could use some fresh reviews. We always appreciate that. But guys, I think where we have to start off the top on this big Wednesday Buckeye talk, as we think about even the idea of trying to piece together what the starting lineup might be in 2021. Because there's just too much random stuff happening right now. We don't know what's going to happen or not happen in 2020. So we're leaping ahead. Nathan, the idea that the NCAA said basically the whole fall is a mulligan, whether you play or not, whether you play some, whether you, you just, it doesn't count that everybody gets an extra year of eligibility. It's similar to what they did in the spring, but what do you think of it? Was that the right move by the NCAA? And am I explaining it to the listeners correctly or is it, more complicated than I'm saying. No, I mean, it's pretty much it. If you're, if you're a fall sport athlete, your eligibility doesn't accrue this year. What it did was give those athletes who might've been thinking about opting out because they wanted to protect that year of eligibility. Now they don't have to, now they can go into a season. And even if it gets, you know, halfway in and gets canceled 
or they get COVID, I suppose, or something like that happens, then they keep that year of eligibility. They get to play this year without that threat of losing the year. So it was really something that was done 100% with the student-athlete's benefit in mind. I hate, actually, I hate using student-athlete. I won't ever say that again. With, with the athlete's benefit in mind, that they get to um, – it gets them some protection from having to make that decision, gives them some peace of mind for making that decision. I think that is the right call. I think to give them that flexibility, that individual flexibility is the right call. But as we're about to talk about, I think it makes some for some complicated decisions within the program that you're in. And I don't think anyone should feel entitled to necessarily having that spot indefinitely if it's if their program can't offer it to them. Steven, do you agree it was the right call, the way they did it, sort of this blanket? It's just this year doesn't count. It's, it's like everybody gets a red shirt this year, no matter how many games you play or don't play. Correct or not correct? Incorrect. I, that's, the bad, that's a bad decision. It's a nice gesture because it tells us that you're thinking about the people currently on the roster, but now you're leaving every team in college football with unanswered questions about how they're going to handle ro- roster management, what the co- scholarship situation is going to look like. Right now, it, it's, it's like putting a Band-Aid on you know, a, a leaky wall, a wall that's spewing water out of it. You, all you did was you gave them something nice, but now you've caused problems for every class that comes after that. So, Nathan, do you think – so let's say that you are – and part of the issue that we're going to get into is there's actually, I think, for the elite programs, I think there's a pretty narrow subset of guys that the extra year of eligibility actually is going to apply to in sort of a really beneficial way for the program and the player. It's it's a very specific group, and we'll go through – when we go through the roster, I have like three or four – there's one guy that I had in mind right away that that was like – to me, this is great for that guy and great for Ohio State. And if he's here for a year that nobody expected, it's a win-win for everybody. But say that you are an Alabama football player and you play this full SEC season. What are they playing? They're playing nine conference games. No, they're playing 10 conference games in the SEC. No non-conference, right? That's what the SEC is doing. You play 10 SEC conference games. You play in the college football playoff, and the college football playoff came out with something the other day. They moved back the dates of the selection. The selection for the playoff now won't be until December 20th because the conference championship games might move back. If you're that Alabama football player, should that year not count for your eligibility? You played 10 SEC games and a college football playoff season, and it doesn't count? You get to come back and do it again? Why? Why? as we're about to discuss, I think, as, as you just alluded to, as you look farther down these rosters, the guys who are actually going to use this as like a full mulligan season and getting a full extra year, I don't know how many people that's actually going to apply to. And to Stephen's point about the, the indecision that it creates and the confusion it maybe creates, that's what the rule alleviates. I think the teams probably – there's some appreciation of that on the front end too because you've got a lot of teams that are seeing guys opt out or seeing guys – and we're not just talking about – I know we're talking about football, but it applies beyond football. But, but athletes who are opting out or choosing – not to play in the coming season because they're worried about the uncertainty that is there for them. Now you get more roster certainty by knowing everyone can be there for this coming season. But you, but why, why should that Alabama player who played 10 games and two college football playoffs games, why should that guy get an extra year of eligibility? It's not, again, it's not about, they're giving them the eligibility so that they have the peace of mind to make the decision. It's not about just giving them the extra year of eligibility. Yeah, but But, but, okay, but, 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 If you do all those things, should you have an extra year of eligibility? 
Because here's the thing you could have done. You could have said, listen, if your season gets jacked up by COVID, we're going to take care of you. They did right? say that. But they said, we're taking care of you whether your season gets jacked up or not. Mm-hmm. They're, say, they're not saying if you get sick and you miss some games because of COVID, it, this season doesn't count. They didn't say if your team only plays an X number of games because COVID messes it up, your season doesn't count. They said it doesn't count. They said your eligibility doesn't count in a world where the Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC are planning to play a nearly full fall season why, if they are successful in that, why should they have an extra year of eligibility? Well, I think with a lot of things, it's in these present circumstances, things don't run as normal. I really don't see the, the, the drawback to giving the people that flexibility. Again, it lets them, if that's, I think it's the best mechanism for letting people make the right decision for them for this fall, for the spring, for whatever. Who, Give them. I think, I think uh, flexibility yeah. would have been if they said, if you opt out because of COVID, it's okay. You can still have that year of eligibility next year versus, but if you play it, you use it versus no matter what you decide to do, you still have another year of eligibility. That's flexibility. That's giving you the option to but choose. It, you can use it this year. Or you can use it next year because of what COVID has done. But, but they, they already, ha- but, but they already had that potential to make that decision. That was already on the books. That had already been decided that people could opt out this year and, and not lose that year of eligibility. What this allows them to do is not put them in that tough position. It allows them to, to go ahead with this season under these compromised bad circumstances and still be able to continue on with their career as normal. But what so, does that do for a team, a team scholarship numbers for the next year and the year after that? Now, they, if you're, if you're, what do you mean? Who, who cares? Like these teams are, you can say who cares, but I mean, you're going to eventually you have to tell that guy to get out. So, well, well right. Yeah. But, I mean, but that's a different, we're going to get to that. That's a different issue. But I mean, it, the, the, the fact that football coaches now have to deal with some more, I don't, I'm not concerned about the football coaches headaches that they get from having to deal with the, the decisions that come from this. I, I just don't deal with it like that's just part of the job but so but also and I, we talked about this on the tuesday podcast i don't have the whole list of opt-outs in front of me right now a lot of the guys who are opting out or at least a, a decent chunk of them are not coming back micah parsons isn't opting out and then wanting to know if he can have two extra years of eligibility or not a lot of the guys who are opting out are opting out while planning to leave not all of them but it's not like there is a rash of guys who, who want to play more college football and are opting out and are saying, oh, thank goodness, this decision has eased my concerns about whether to opt out or not now that I know that I'll have full eligibility and this year doesn't count. If, if you're saying that's good for those guys, that's a small number of guys, I think. Right, so what's the problem? Okay, so we'll get into the problem. So and this is where I think I think the idea that there's no harm here I think is absolutely wrong because it is harming the idea what happens in college football is guys move through the program and all of a sudden if you're a backup to a senior and you've been waiting your turn and there are situations like this on this current Ohio State roster and now that senior in front of you can play this whole year whether it's in the fall or next winter, and then come back next year and block you again, that's not fair to the guy behind him. That there is, there is a drawback. And, and if it ends up, well, then those schools have to make those individual decisions, whatever. There are guys negatively affected by granting extra eligibility to the guys ahead of them on the depth chart. 
while also having the knowledge that there's talent coming behind you. Well, that that's always the case, though. The talent coming behind you is always the case. That doesn't yeah, factor into this question at all. It, 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 does when, that, it does when you're also considering that the guy who was already in front of you is going to be in front of you for that much longer because he has an extra year of eligibility. Well, again, let's, but let's remember, we're talking about these players. These athletes are granted an extra year of eligibility. They are not guaranteed an extra year of eligibility or a spot or playing time or whatever with the program they're already in. And especially if the season gets played out as planned, I am definitely think you're going to see guys get nudged aside and say, hey, we don't necessarily have a spot for you. I mean, that, don't think that isn't already happening with guys who, um, who go for a sixth year or who are, are, are naturally getting to the end of their careers. I mean, that's why grad transfers happen sometimes is because guys see the writing on the wall. They, they've exhausted their potential at that program. So, but, so let's, let's, let's talk about this hypothetical situation and then we'll start going through the roster. Say you have a senior on a team this year who is a good player. But if that senior can play an extra year, he's going to play. He's not racing off to the NFL. He might not be drafted in the NFL, but he's a good college player. And the team, if the team has a chance to have him back, they'll keep him. They'll take him. They're not going to run him off. They'll say, yeah, we'll take, we'll take a, fi- a, a fifth year of this guy playing for us because he is 10% better than the junior backing him up the junior who has been waiting for this guy to leave and, and plotting his own career has said, well, I'm, I, man, I thought about transferring, but I thought, well, if I wait, I'll try to beat him out. Okay. I didn't beat him out, but I know then this guy's going to graduate and I'll get my shot. If that senior plays basically a full year this year and then is allowed to come back next year and he says, sure, I'll come back. And the team says, sure, we'll take you back. And that guy behind him, now is waiting again, and his whole plan for his life and his career was predicated on the idea of guys move along. Isn't it unfair to that backup? Is this not unfair to that backup that that guy will continue to block him for an extra year? Well, A, he also has an extra year that he gets to have to come back beyond that too, so let's not forget that. But then also, again, I don't think the beef is necessarily with the NCAA making this decision. I think it's that's a that's an individual decision with that coach. I mean, the same thing could be said. I, I mean, all the time, guys get brought in as grad transfers for one year ahead of guys, exactly like what you're talking about, because they're just ten percent better. And you know what we tell those guys? Tough. That's just not tough, Borland. Tough. That's just what life is. You got you got beat out by this guy. We found somebody better. You had your shot. You can still go out and try to compete against him, or you can go find another place to play. I mean, let's not pretend like this doesn't happen every day of the year in college sports. You have a Stephen. Do you buy that argument from Nathan that it's part of the deal? It's unfortunate, but a grad transfer it can happen other ways. Nothing's guaranteed. Go win your job. Yeah, I, I can respect that. My my more issue is just you know figuring out how does this re- affect the recruiting more than I don't anything think- else. I don't know that it affects recruiting because the thing we have to make sure we say, the guys are not going to count. The seniors who's come back next year will More not so. count against the 85 scholarship limit. All those guys are a waiver. So you don't, they're not going to not sign recruits because some fifth-year or sixth-year seniors are coming back. Um, but I but guess no, – not, not even like, – but how they look at how a room can shape out because if you're a four, top 100 guy and you thought you were coming into a room where you had an opportunity to maybe win a spot as a true freshman, but that spot's no longer available because not only are there guys coming back for a waiver, but there are also other guys who are already in the room. You might not consider that school as much as you were beforehand. Yeah, that I actually – 
Yeah, I don't I buy that. If you come to Ohio State and you're just waiting your time for when it's your chance to start, you're not finishing your career at Ohio State. But there's not a fr- – I mean, I don't think there are going to be freshmen who are like, oh, well, now there's a fifth-year senior coming back, so now I'm not going to go there because I demand to play as a freshman. I don't think that that is – I mean, I, well, I don't think the idea that maybe Trey Sermon could be back next year will mean that Evan Pryor and Travion Henderson are like, well, forget it then. I, I, and that would be – I mean, that's the example. That would fit your example, Stephen, right? Trey yeah. Sermon, you assumed he was gone. Now he could come back. And, and Travion Henderson and Evan Pryor are both very talented young, run, young running backs who we have talked about playing right away. I don't think that they would say, well, that's it. Trey Sermon's back. I'm gone. Do you think that that could apply in certain situations, though? I think in certain situations, a player would consider it if they thought that they were good enough to play right away. And they had other options where they could play right away at another school. I don't know that – I mean, there's not a lot of guys, I think, going to the top 10 schools that are really thinking they're going to demand to play right away or they're out. Here's the thing, though, but, but the thing that I don't like about this, Nathan, and I don't think you're taking this into account, you're supposed to take care of people who are harmed, right? This was unjust. This was – you got screwed, so we're going to try to make it better for you. If your team plays 10 games and you go – if they played 80% of a full season, you didn't get screwed. Why are you getting this extra year? They're giving you something that – they're giving you help that you don't need. So it's like, yes, well, if you thought about – listen, man, the guys who are going to opt out because of COVID, I think already opted out before this thing. I don't – and, and well, even again. if you, if you were going to opt out – and I'm going to pin you down on an answer. There's not six caveats that you're allowed to give within this. <laughs> if you were going to opt out, you could have redshirted. If you're opting out, it's not counting against you anyway. Right. So, you're so only looking at the good. No, go you're looking but, at this at the end of the you're looking at this at the end of the decision. Like you're looking back and saying, after all the decisions have been made and after a season ends, which and we have no idea if any football is going to be played, let alone full seasons are going to be played, was it fair to give that guy an extra year? And the and it's not about that. It's about what's happening now. It's about the decision that athletes have to make right now and whether they decision? want to go forward with what decision? The decision of whether because because the way it was before, there wasn't a rule deciding whether or not if they started a season and it got canceled in the middle of a season, that would accrue a year of eligibility. Now they don't have that threat hanging over them. So what if you said, okay, if your season, if you don't, if your team doesn't play at least five or six games, it won't count. But if they do, it will. I think that's still putting the gamble on the athlete, and I think they're taking that away from the athlete. I think they're just putting I think it back. you are imagining a situation that does not exist. Who You think if they wouldn't have done this, there would have been a, a gazillion guys who opted out because they were worried that the SEC was going to try to play and only play three games, and that was going to count against them for a year. So you think 20 guys on Alabama would have decided not to play at all? No, 20 guys. Who's talking about 20 guys? I think you're, I think you're exaggerating how much this is going to happen, too, the other way. I think you're exaggerating how many people are going to be put in these, these um, compromised situations or, or these situations where they get squeezed out or whatever or that they feel uh, put upon. I think it, there's probably some benefit. I think there's probably benefit and harm on both sides of this. I think they're just trying to make the best decision they can um, to give people the flexibility to make these decisions right now in a really complicated and confusing time. Can you cite someone that you think actually made a decision that was based on what you're saying? Like nationally? Anybody. Name a single player who has 
felt the squeeze of, I would be willing to play. I'm not opting out because of my NFL draft hopes or my own personal coronavirus fears. That's not why I'm opting out. But I would consider opting out if I felt like I was going to risk losing a year of eligibility in what turned out to be a truncated season. That's who you, you're arguing on behalf of those players. And I'm saying I don't think any of those players exist. Yeah, I think I agree with Doug here. I think the only players who are considering opting out right now are people who aren't coming back anyway. So you're saying or that because have health concerns, yeah. right? So you're saying that because there you're not aware of any that that applied to, that the benefit is limited and the potential penalty is great because now we're just giving everybody an extra year for something that might apply to nobody. Exactly. Thank mm-hmm. you for summarizing my argument. <laughs> yes. No, I just want to make sure that's, that's I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm hearing what you're saying. I, I think they're trying to protect a certain group of people that I'm not sure exists, and they're acting as if there's not a downside to what they did. And I would tell you, ask the Ohio State junior linebackers if there's not a downside to what they did, and that's what we'll get into. That's what, that's what I want to get into because you do make a point it applies to everybody, but now – it's like, well, now I have to stay five years to get my shot because I got blocked for an extra year that I never planned on. And yeah, I know there might be a grad transfer, but my gosh, this is the guy that I've been backing up. I understand what your grad transfer argument is saying. And, and, and I know if you're not good enough, you're going to get blocked by somebody anyway. But I also do think that there's a natural flow to college football and they have very clearly interrupted the flow and I think they went overboard in, in they have done some damage by interrupting the flow in an attempt to protect a group of people that I'm not sure needed protecting to this degree. Well, also just real quick, though, I want to make sure that we, we do acknowledge the other sports. I know this is a football conversation. We're going to talk about football. But in these other sports, the people who have to make decisions about whether they're going to keep playing, keep participating, whatever, are – paying a whole lot more tuition every year and and room and board and all that stuff than the football players are. And I think those are people who are getting better protected by this too, whether they want to even continue going to that school, playing that sport. If it's, if that's, if there's that much uncertainty, I think it gives people like that some protection, but that's not, I know the conversation we're having today. And to Doug's, until the point of the grad transfers, I mean, how many grad transfers is the school bringing in on any given year? That's usually focused on one individual position. You're talking about every single room at this point. And the other thing is, and I don't mean to be crass about it, I, that's, we're not talking about the other sports. And I don't know why. It's like the NCAA is in charge of every championship except football. But then when they do an issue like this, they cover everybody because they're trying to protect a soccer player or a lacrosse player. And in the process, they're protecting a tiny group of football players potentially while potentially messing up a larger group of football players. And – this is a football podcast. I, I, I mean, Ohio, the other sports that make point zero zero zero, they don't make any money and have far less interest, make a rule for them. But let's not pretend that football's the same. And let's not pretend that there aren't, there are so much more complicated professional decisions at a school like Ohio State regarding football compared to every other sport. It's just a very complicated matter that I think they painted with too broad of a brush. Well, if you, yeah, if you want to have that argument, like whether there should be a different rule for football than other sports, I think that's one thing. I just brought that up because that is a genesis of this rule. No, and I get that, but I mean, I'm, I'm saying they screwed up football. So don't screw up football. Find a way to not screw up football. Is that too? It's the sport that makes every other sport possible. If you just said, if they ever said, you know what, man, 
football is just too complicated. Let's just not have it. You know what else you wouldn't have? Any other sports. It's, and it's an argument. The, the idea that you should make a rule for football that's maybe different than other sports is an argument I would listen to because it's the sport where you're dealing with 85 full scholarships. You always have an abundance of people, and that is um, – I guess a, a positive thing in, in, in many respects for giving people opportunities and things like that. But that's where this is the sport where that rule makes the most complications because you just always have such an abundance of, of players that you have to try to get in somewhere. I'm not trying, and I'm not trying to be, I'm not anti player here, right? I'm, I'm pro the player that I think they didn't exactly think about with this decision. We will get into the specifics of what this does mean and doesn't mean for the Ohio State football roster in 2021 right after this on Buckeye Talk. All right, back on Buckeye Talk, the big Wednesday pod. Again, we're not doing a lot uh, with the tech subscribers on this podcast, but as we get towards more of known situations and what is next for Ohio State football, we're going to get back to a lot more text subscriber interaction because – we're going to have things specifically to ask them about and to talk about. We did continue with the chain restaurant voting and we'll get into that later in the week. But I will say one of my personal favorite chain restaurants went down and a pile of flames went down hard. And I said, I'm trying not to influence the chain restaurant bracket voting, but I said like, what happened? And people said like, I never heard of it. I was like, you never heard of. So it's, it's again, that's a very specific part of the chain restaurant thing. The bigger you are, and the broader your reach, the better chance you have of people voting for you. And that's part of being a chain restaurant. It's not just how good your food is. It's how much your food gets out to the world. So we'll talk about that on another podcast. I want to focus still here with Stephen Means and Nathan Baird on the 2021 Ohio State football roster. And we said we're going to project the starting lineups for 2021. But before we get to that, I do want to run through the scholarship stuff real quick. And I saw someone else had written about this. And the idea, and then to, to make this clear, they have at least done something that I agree with, which is anybody who's coming back, who is a senior right now and is coming back, they will not count against the scholarship limit for next year for football. It's normally 85. They didn't say, hey, there's no limit. They didn't say, hey, the limit's 105. They said the limit is we just aren't going to count your seniors that it applies to, which I think is the right move because as soon as you tell Nick Saban, there's no limit. And maybe Ryan Day would do the same thing. If she said, hey, there's no limit for this year, then all of a sudden you might add, they might add 17 junior college transfers for one year and try to game the rule a little bit. And that's not the intention here. But I saw someone else write about this and they said then, oh, well then maybe Ohio State will have 105 players on scholarship next year. And I don't think that's the case. And Nathan, you and I talked about it briefly. You don't think that'll be the case either. No. I, first of all, there's guys who already don't really have a role on this team who aren't going to have any more of a role next year just because they're coming back for an extra year. So I, I, I'm skeptical that they would come back for and on an even fuller roster and, and end up being more or less a spectator and a, a, a behind-the-scenes participant. I think what you probably will see is, is places like Ohio State will see a lot of those guys end up somewhere else. I think those guys will, will transfer to other programs, as we already see from time to time you know, one or two a year, the guys that kind of just get that slide down the depth chart a little bit, you might see more of those next year, because I think those guys, because they have that extra year of eligibility, will be able to go somewhere else and, and take advantage of that. Steven, part of this is a monetary situation for a lot of schools, which is, hey, you know, you're planning monetarily in your budget, which has been greatly impacted by COVID already. 
you're already losing money. But I don't think that I don't think it's going to be a monetary situation for Ohio State. If they normally budget for 85 scholarships, if they would have to be at 105, I, I do think Ohio State would probably be able to handle that for one year. Other schools, Mac schools can't go. I mean, I just think they're going to have to stay at 85 no matter what. They can't. Every single scholarship that you add is an issue for financially strapped athletic departments. I think it's more about playing time, practice reps, just sort of like the churn of the roster. Steven, if you, if you were Ohio State and you could handle it financially and you had seniors who wanted to come back, would you let them all come back no matter what? Or would you tell some of those guys, we appreciate you. We loved having you here for your four or five years, but you have a year of eligibility that you can go use somewhere else, but we just, we just can't have you taking up reps, taking up a spot, taking up a Jersey, whatever it is for this team in 2021. Would you turn some guys away? I think it would, yeah, you would turn guys for the, for the sake of saying it though, it'd be one Oh two. That would be the max they'd have because they have 17 seniors and plus the 85. But yeah, you would turn guys away who, have roles, legitimate roles on the field. And especially if they play in January, it's like, listen, you got what you needed to get out of Ohio State. We probably have to turn that guy away. But a guy who's more of a locker room guy, uh, just for the sake of saying it, a C.J. Saunders type where he's really important to what they do in the locker room and in practice, but I don't, he doesn't necessarily have an on-the-field role. You might bring that, by, that guy back just for the sake of leadership in the locker room. But anybody who actually had a role – and got a chance to get on the field in January and put some things on film, I don't think they bring that guy back. But what about the guys who are neither of those? What about just like veteran backups who never play? Probably not. And by the way, just so we no confusion, C.J. Saunders is gone. He's not on, no, he's not on scholarship. You gave an example of a thing that doesn't exist because he <laughs> didn't get a year of eligibility. So – I just want to make clear. But no, I'm not. I'm not saying like the, the idea of what T.J. Saunders was when he was on scholarship here. More of a guy in the locker room as a leader than he was a guy who was going to make an impact on the field. Go ahead, Nathan. I feel like Justin Hilliard's a little bit of an same kind of example. I mean, getting the extra year, a guy who um, it's not like they need linebackers necessarily right now. They're kind of flush with veteran linebackers right now. Um, it's not that. I mean, I think he'll help them in certain situations and, and be a guy who helps them, but it. It, it, that's the kind of player I think it also talks about. So I went through, I'm going to tease you a little bit. And I, again, we've, we always talk about this. I, these are people's lives. These are their careers. All these players get one shot at this. This is a super important thing to them. I don't want to be cavalier about it on some goofball podcast and just be like, ah, oh, the heck with that guy. I mean, that's, that's not right. That's not fair. We try to be very circumspect um, with our transfer discussions because it is a fact of life. You can transfer and have it work out great for you. It's not like it's the end of the world if guys transfer, but I don't just want to be in the habit of like running guys off the roster. So I'm going to tease this a little bit, but this is a more complicated question because this has been forced upon everybody. And the thing that I'm going to continue to hang my hat on is I am thinking about the other guys affected by this, that by the guys who are going to be, continue to be blocked, who thought their chance was coming. And that, again, that's just how this works. It's how everything is designed. So I am on the side of those guys, but I don't be, want to be dismissive of the older guys ahead of them. But I'll tell you this. I went through the 17 seniors on the roster. Is there 17? Did I count wrong? One, two, three, four, no, five, 17. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 
Okay. So I, um, I, I didn't get the right number in my count. Okay. So here's, I went through and I only, I had five seniors. And part of what we want to talk about is we do think there's potentially a great distinction between if they play a winter season. And again, I don't even want to say winter or spring because I was just talking to somebody else today and it's like, it, it, spring is not an option. It's going to be winter or nothing, I think. So if they can play a winter season and these guys get like an eight game season or something, and then maybe even a postseason Rose Bowl or whatever, that's a pretty good year. And even whether you're allowed back, you know, you're going to be allowed back no matter what. But I think that, do we agree? Hey, you had a, a year, it was screwed up from what you expected, but you still got to play two thirds as many games as a regular season versus everything got wiped out. The big 10 doesn't play until 2021. Steven, do you believe that would change how Ohio State coaches would view guys who might want to come back and whether they would tell them, yeah, we kind of have a spot for you or we don't? Yes, because at least they got an opportunity to play versus if there's nothing and they have to, then they have that argument of, I missed my entire senior season. But if we play in January, you got that year so we can continue to move forward as normal. What do you think of that, Nathan? Yeah, I think that will make some of these conversations and these decisions easier. Even if a guy has the opportunity, you can go to him and say, look, you got to play the last, the fifth season or sixth season, I guess, in some people's cases. We have, you've seen what we have in the room. These are guys that you've been playing with, fighting with, et cetera. We're, we're turning to them now. We wish you well. I think that's an easier conversation, <clears throat> excuse me, if some kind of season happens in the winter. Yeah, I agree with that. And I do want to say, like, like people have talked about that, for instance, if, you, if you're at a school like maybe like Cincinnati or just any kind of mid-tier school that isn't filled with NFL guys, that a lot of your seniors, this is the last time they're ever going to play football, right? That's just weird. At Ohio State, that's just not – there's a lot of guys that go on and keep playing football. If you're in a school where, where this is it for a lot of guys and you can have them back and they're good, you will welcome them back with open arms. And I think some people have theorized sort of a lot of these like mid-tier teams. It might even be teams in the Big Ten like Indiana or, or Michigan State or Maryland or, you know, this could help teams like that a lot, that they may really welcome these guys back. But Ohio State's just not in that same situation. And I agree with what you both said at the idea of talking to a guy and saying, well, you got nothing out of your last year versus you got, you know, two-thirds of a season out of your last year is a big difference to me. The 17 seniors, I had five guys that I thought they would say, yeah, we'll take you back. I had six guys that I thought, no, would, would probably not have a spot back. I had two guys that I thought would go to the NFL, regardless of whether they get to play eight games this year or they don't. I think they would just be ready to go to the NFL. And then I had four maybes. So that was how I viewed these seniors. And we'll get into them as we do the position groups. But that was a little bit of the complicating factor. And again, I don't think, I don't think they're going to have 14 of the 17 seniors back or anything like this. But I do think they could have some back. Let's go through position by position. And we're going to think about who will the starter be next year if they do have a winter season? And who will the starter be next year if they don't have a winter season? And we want to talk about how a winter season or a lack of winter season would also sort of affect that position group and the battle for it. Even if we know the guys are going to be back no matter what. Listen, you know, CJ Stroud's going to be here no matter what. But we want to talk about 
the, the influence of what may or may not happen. So the quarterback, Steven, Justin Field is not going to be back in 2021, no matter what. Kyle McCord's coming in early. We are, are anticipating this three-way battle with C.J. Stroud, Jack Miller, and Kyle McCord. What do you believe would be the influence of playing in the winter versus not playing at all? How do you think that may or may not influence the quarterback fight to be the starter in 2021? I think playing in the winter gives somebody a leg up when they do start that battle for, to be the starter in 2021 because all three will be here battling to be the backup quarterback, especially now that you know, I, it doesn't look like Kyle McCord is going to have a senior season either. So he's, in the, he's literally in the same position as Jack Miller and C.J. Stroud. So if they play, we at least have an idea of who might be in the lead when they come in for whatever is a summer or spring workout season and start preparing for the 2021 season. While if they don't play in January, it's just – I mean, they start from scratch in maybe, what, May or June? How- but whoever the, the starter is is going to be the starter. Well, but there's – so the, obviously there's a great distinction between whether Justin Fields plays or not in 2021. I mean, yeah. plays or not in the winter. If just yeah. – so I'll move it to Nathan. If Justin Fields plays and starts in the winter, then I don't know. Are we going to learn much? I mean, yeah, someone's got to be ready to be the backup quarterback, but then will that winter season, if it includes Justin Fields, have that much effect on the fall quarterback battle, Nathan? Um, I don't think it's necessarily that that has an effect on the fall quarterback battle. I, I guess I just, I, I, if, if Kyle McCord doesn't get to have any kind of a fall high school season, and then he's coming in to a situation where the usual spring doesn't happen. So you don't get that kind of development time, um, physical development time. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's just a difference. And I, I, we don't know what that window is going to look like. So I don't, I, I think there are a lot of things that are maybe conspiring to give him less of a chance to compete for that job in the fall than maybe I would have expected previously. CJ Stroud and Jack Miller didn't have that either though. I think CJ Stroud I, and Jack Miller did have, I mean, they, they've at least had to been in the college program. They've had access to the, the college uh, strength and conditioning program, even though they weren't able to directly be there with Mick Moriarty these past months, they got to do all the playbook work that they probably done with Ryan day over that time film work. I mean, I think those things have, have, probably put them in a better situation than Kyle McCord coming in fresh next winter at a time when they're pl- already playing a season. I'll edit it out. Mickey Marotti, not Mick Moriarty. Oh, whatever I said. Sorry. <laughs> so here's, so here's the thing. We don't have a clear. If Kyle McCord is here in January, that starts his clock, right? And we know Nathan, we know that Ryan day has presented this idea of, well, you should yeah. get to play two seasons in one calendar year and it only count once. Nobody has actually said that's the case. So if Kyle McCord, and he's planning to enroll early, if they have a January season and Kyle McCord's here, will he be think, around okay. or not? Yeah. He will be because you would that's the idea they pre- Yes, that's the idea they presented to him. When he and Corey Dennis had the conversation and they first started talking about the idea of a January season, yes, he'll be around. He'll he'll be able to play if that happens. I doubt it, that happens, but he'll be in the mix to be the backup quarterback if Justin Fields plays. That's how it's he'll, been presented to him. He'll be around, but I don't think he's in a, a very good position to come in and beat out either Stroud or Miller to get those reps behind Fields if Fields is playing in the spring. And then you're also talking about now you've got four quarterbacks, including three that are essentially in the same class, uh, somebody's not going to end up starting their eligibility clock that 
year. That is, I mean, they'll start their college they, clock, but they're not going to start their freshman clock that year. That's how they presented it to him. There's no way to get all three of those guys game reps in an eight-game season. No, no, they don't have to get them game reps. And then it's one yeah. of the things. Somebody's going to end up redshirting. That's what I'm saying. Like that, It's going to end up being a more staggered class. Well, but they don't ha- – and they don't have to play on the redshirt. They can just see what happens. And it's like, well, right. if you didn't play, then you redshirted. But I think – I guess I think the opposite of Nathan. I think if you think that this weirdness has hurt Kyle McCord's chances, I think it's – helped Kyle McCord's mm-hmm. chances because yes, Kyle McCord is, is missing his last year of high school football, but CJ Stroud and Jack Miller missed most of spring missed are missing this whole fall. And now if Kyle McCord gets here in January, which is his plan, when he gets here, what do Jack Miller and CJ Stroud have that really put them ahead of Kyle McCord? And I'm not really talking about like the fight to be the backup to Justin Fields in, in the winter. And I'm not really talking about the fight to be the starter in the winter. If Justin Fields doesn't play, but then the great, the greatest experience that CJ Stroud and Jack Miller will gain will be the practice and the games of a January and February season and Kyle McCord will be right there next to both of them getting the same experience. Even if he gets a few less game reps, I think then by the time you get to the fall of 2021, they're basically all in the same boat where in a normal world, Kyle McCord would have been a full year behind. Steven, you're shaking, I think we're under- you're shaking your head, Steven. You're I not agree with that. Head. No, I, I am agreeing with that 100%. Everything that C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller would have had as an advantage over Kyle McCord is out the window. Because, yeah, yeah you're right, Nathan. They might, they're probably going to have to redshirt one of these guys. But they don't have to make that decision until it's time to make that decision. Kyle McCord's going to come in here, and they're going to get reps. And Justin Fields is going to get the most reps. He's a starter if he plays. Those guys are going to split up the rest of the reps that Justin Fields doesn't get. And then they're going to come into whatever it's, it's May or June, whenever they start preparing for the 2021 season, they're going to be on equal footing. So there's no advantage that Jack Miller and CJ Stroud have over Kyle McCord when it comes to winning the job in 2021. No advantage. So, so you're saying that all the time that Jack Miller and CJ Stroud have spent in the program for now the past eight months, that doesn't mean anything compared to Kyle McCord. They've been on Zoom. The majority of it has been on Zoom calls. And a lot of those same Zoom calls or whenever Kyle McCord talks with Corey Dennis and Brian Day, they do the same thing. They've been on campus with their team since June, and they were here with them in the spring, too. That's not enough reps to to have that big of a difference where something that's not going to be decided for another 12 months. I I wouldn't say that there's there's zero ahead of him. But if they were, you know, if being just a full year older than him – in a normal situation, you know, if that was, they were 10 steps ahead of him, I would now say they're like two steps ahead of him. So that that brings Kyle McCord much closer. If, if you don't want to say, well, you know, and he's missed his last high school season, I get it. It's not exactly even, but I just think he's a lot closer than he would have been if, if we never had COVID-19. I just think all of those other things help determine who gets who's in what position for the start of this potential winter season, December, January, whenever it gets started. I think that affects the reps, the way those guys are treated during that season. And then, like I said at the start of this, we don't know what now then takes the place of the spring kind of development period that would usually have been there, some kind of off-season program. We don't know what that looks like yet. So that was all I was saying. I just don't know 
what that means for someone like a Kamakor who's coming in a lot greener than what Stroud and Miller are, as green as they are. But you did, I mean, you did say you thought this lessened McCord's chances in 2020, in the fall of 2021, which is what we're talking about. We're talking about, Maybe. Yeah. We're talking about who's going to be the starter in the fall of 2021. I'm saying we were living in a world where I think all of us thought, you know what, McCord, I don't know, man. This guy seems pretty good. He seems pretty engaged. Maybe he'll come in and give these guys a run for their money. I just think he might give them even more of a run for their money given this. So if you come, you started off the conversation saying, no, you think he'll have less of a chance. Do you think in the end, Kyle McCord's chances of being the starting quarterback in 2021, given the craziness of all this versus a completely normal situation, are McCord's chances the same? Does he have a greater chance to be the starter in the fall or does he have a lesser chance to be a starter in the fall? I guess the way I would say it is I previously thought the way you did that he would had a very strong, I think I previously underestimated this whole scenario has made me that made me realize that I probably underestimated how much this time in the program is helping Stroud and or Miller get the footing that they'll need to win that job next fall. So what was your answer? Was it more the same or lesser? (laughs) I don't think, again, I I don't think it's a matter of more the same or lesser. I think it's, I think I, I think I'm just saying that I previously thought like you, and I think I was wrong somewhat to assume that McCord would be able to step right in, and, and that, 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 that the time that McCord that 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 Miller and Stroud are having in the program now wouldn't have a big impact. I think so lesser or greater. One word. Are answer, you not going to answer? Are you not going to answer the greater, same, or lesser question? Can I you- mean, I'll say greater. I'll say that. I'll say that. I think that now, as I stand here today, I think. Kyle McCord has less of a chance of being the starting quarterback in 2021 than I did at the start at two or three months ago. Then, then if things had been normal, then if, then if we had gone through, he had a, that, that's the question. Yes. Okay. And yes, because I think I also was previously looking at it the wrong way before. Okay. I think he has think, a greater chance to start in 2021 because of the craziness. Steven. I think they should bring Nathan in when coaches are going through media training and have, the, have <laughs> him hold a seminar. That's what I think first and foremost, because then they would have a greater chance of not saying something stupid in front of reporters. <laughs> but I think he has a greater chance of being the starting quarterback. One, because that decision on him not playing high school football is not final because they're not technically a part of the same diocese, so he could still play. But also, I think a lot of the things that – that Jack Miller and C.J. Stroud would have had a head over Kyle McCord would have been in-game reps. Those are gone now. And I understand they've been in the program longer, but the big thing is whether or not you've had in-game reps, and they're not going to have that over him now. So, I, Well, it, that it I actually disagree with. Wait a second. That, that I think I disagree with because certainly, I mean, it's okay we're getting bogged down in the quarterback thing. Let, let me reset a second. I mean, there's two things we're talking about. There's, there's three things we're talking about, actually. One is a season that includes Justin Fields, and then someone has to be the backup quarterback. I don't think Kyle McCord's going to be the backup quarterback in January when he just got here from high school and Stroud and Miller have been here. I I don't think that. I think McCord is behind them in that battle because nobody in the history of the world has ever expected an early enrolled kid who's supposed to be in high school still to be a backup quarterback in the Big Ten in actual games a week after he got here. Especially for a team like Ohio State with the quarterback room that they have. So to that point, I mean, wouldn't they just put Gunnar Hoke in that position as well because C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller also didn't have a normal spring? 
and a it, normal see, now, fall camp. No, now I think you're going the other way again. Now I think you are too far the other way. I think Nathan was too far one way. Steven, they're going to have a preseason. They're going to have Part a of my- they're going to practice for a month. If they play in January, they're going to practice and have a preseason camp the whole month of December. And Kyle McCord's not going to be here for it. But the other two guys yeah. are. I just think that that is a significantly less compared to normal that it increases McCord's chances for the fall. I do not think Kyle McCord is going to leave St. Joseph's Catholic That would be ridiculous if he did, honestly. And, and show up and be like – I'm having Christmas with my parents and like, Hey, guess what? Ohio state's first game is January 3rd. I don't know if Justin Fields throws six touchdown passes in the first half, maybe I'll start the second half. No, that I don't see, but I do think this, whether it's Stroud or Miller, that is Justin Fields backup. If Justin Fields stuck around, man, and he hung out and did all this, he doesn't want to get hurt, but they're also going to let him play. I don't think the reps that the backup quarterback, who will either be Stroud or Miller. I don't think those reps behind Justin Fields in January and February will put, will give them a gigantic edge on Kyle McCord. Whereas if they had been a full spring, summer, preseason, normal fall, 12 games, the backup the whole time. And now Kyle McCord comes in. I think they would have been farther ahead of Kyle McCord. So that's where I am. Kyle McCord will not be the backup in January but I think he doesn't have as much ground to make up on whomever the backup quarterback is as he fights to start in 2021. Does that, is that, yeah, is that explanation that. clear from my, what my view is? Yeah, no, I think okay. what you're saying makes sense. I, I'm not saying that it's a, it's an outlandish thing to say. Um, I, I do think it's interesting that Steven brings up Gunnar Hoke's name though, because if in a, in a potential January season with Kyle McCord walking in off the street, essentially in January, like, where does he rank in that quarterback room? Isn't he the number five quarterback when they start playing games in January? Well, but that doesn't really matter. They'll split the reps in practice. I mean, I, I, if, I'm, if I'm Ryan Day, you know, I'm not – he's not – yes, he's the number five quarterback in the room, but I'm, I'm still letting him take some practice reps and stuff. Sure. But I do think yeah. Gunnar Hoke is an interesting question. And before we leave the quarterback room, and it's going to turn out half this podcast is about quarterbacks, but, you know, they're famous. People like them. Would Gunnar Hoke be back in the fall of 2021? Because now he can be. He's a senior. He could be back. Justin Fields isn't going to be back. Ryan Day likes having four quarterbacks. At the moment, they only have three for the fall of 2021. Maybe, maybe none of the young guys, maybe Stroud and Miller, because everything's so jacked up, aren't exactly ready to be Justin Fields' backup in January either. Maybe Gunnar Hoke's. Kind of like the nice. backup quarterback. Could Gunnar Hoke get an extra year out of this and be now they have a four-man quarterback room in the fall of 2021? Steven, what do you think? Maybe we see an extra year of Gunnar Hoke. Yeah, I think he understands why he came here and he knows he's not going to be the starter. So I, for the sake of numbers in the room, I would not be surprised if he's one of the guys they bring back. Nathan, what do you think? Gunnar Hoke in the fall. Yeah, I don't know Gunnar Hoke well enough to know whether or not he would think that standing around with uh, doing practice reps for another year was like a, a good use of his time. I don't think they turn the job over to him in the fall of 2021. I think they find one of these three guys um, and make He's them ready to play. For be back just on the roster. Right. Not- but what I'm saying is if, 
but why, but would he come back on the roster to spend another year in college, another year going to class? I know he'd be a grad student at that point or whatever, but like another year going through all of that stuff, not getting your life started out in the real world just to be a backup for another year. I don't know that. I'm, I'm skeptical. I think they would probably go with those three guys and then find somebody else. He transferred here knowing he was going to be the backup. So, I mean, what's doing it one more year and getting another year of your education paid for? Well, because he – well, if, if he wants to be in school another year, that's what I'm saying. It's like there's no guarantee of that. And some guys are ready to, to not still be a, a third-string quarterback by the time they're 26 or whatever. He's not 26. But yeah, he has transferred. <laughs> he is local. He is from the Columbus suburbs. He started his career at Kentucky. He did transfer. He sort of transferred home. You don't know. I mean, I think sometimes if guys want to be coaches, they're more than happy to do something like this, to stick around a program and learn some more. Maybe you get to do some graduate work and that kind of thing. But I do think – I mean, that, that's what's interesting is getting to stay for another year and getting your, your education paid for and, and kind of what you're talking about. If you want, you can almost be a grad assistant who's on scholarship. And it's I think that's more of how we would look at it, though, too. He wouldn't look at it as – oh, I'm coming back to be the backup. He would look at it for the same reasons that Chug transferred here in the sense that it's everything but being able to play football. And, and, and it is one of those things. We just don't know how guys work, right? But I think we do understand that this is important to them and it, they put a lot of time and effort into it. He might want to go, go start his career in whatever field he wants to go into. But whatever these guys do in the winter, they're not going to be running out in front of 105,000 in Ohio stadium. And when you talk to these guys about what they remember and what sticks with them and what is a life experience about doing this and why do you get up at five o'clock in the morning in the winter? And why do you do all this extra work in the summer? And why do you have basically two full-time jobs in the fall when you're trying to go to class and, and go to practice and study film and everything else and lift weights? Why do you do that? Because seven times each fall, I get to run out onto a field and there are 105,000 people screaming for the group that I'm a part of. If you want to come back and do that seven more times, that's a thing. Even if you're not going to be on the field necessarily, that's a thing. And maybe Ryan Day gets you snaps against Rutgers in the fourth quarter because you did come back and you were veteran in that room. That's a thing. Now, so starting your life is a thing too. So I know what you're saying, Nathan. But we have to remember that this is an, an experiential situation. Is that a word? It's about life experiences. I, I, don't, I, I don't like it. And lots of people do it in the world. Everyone's always jumping to the next thing. I mean, what it, all life is is a collection of experiences. And you hope you remember a, a handful of them enough to be able to tell stories about it someday and have some kind of feeling inside your body of, I'm a happy person. And maybe running on the field seven extra times at Ohio Stadium will do that. That has absolute value. And they're not so... People who are fighting for these guys to play, when we said it before, they're not going to play in Ohio Stadium. They're not going to play in front of fans. They're going to be in domes in the winter, on the road, whatever, which is better than nothing. But if you're trying to hold on to, I want one more. I mean, what? I don't know. I never experienced that. My God, I've had six people at a tennis match, and they couldn't even say my last name. I, Steven Means has experienced it to some degree. I mean, when people, when you're playing a sport, when you're doing an activity and people are screaming for you and excited for you, it's, a, it's amazing how much work I think people will put in for that opportunity. So for all these guys, guys like Gunnar Hoke and the rest of them, maybe you would come back if the fall of 2021 is somewhat close to normal. I think that that would be valuable in some way. Steven, people yelled your name, right? Yeah. I mean, athletes are performers. You can ask the NBA players right now how weird it is playing in a bubble with no fans. It makes things different. So, yeah. 
When you hit threes, did you have like a sign? Did you put three fingers in the air or anything? We got technicals. Um, they, we, I was at, when I was in high school, we were still in that transition of not being able to celebrate because it would be a technical versus being able to, you know, show some spirit. So if you did any of the things you see NBA players do when they hit threes, you get a tech for it. And really? It actually kind of caught, yeah, I didn't do it, but it definitely – one of our players did it, and it definitely cost us a tournament game. Really? Yeah. That's not right. Let let yeah, people celebrate their their joys, man. That's not right. I hate that stuff. Okay, I think it should be a judgment call for the official based on what the uh, sign is that they're putting up. Like I it's, used to cover when I covered high schools, there was this kid that played for one of the locals teams. He was a good shooter, but he was this cocky kid, this real jerk of a kid. And every time he hit a three, as he was running, as he was like backpedaling up court, he did the thing where he like reached in the back of his the bow and arrow. Yeah, the bow and arrow thing. Ridiculous. And I thought he should – like, that should get teed up. But there's others that you could do that maybe you're, like, creative and nobody's ever seen it before. And Like, oh, all right, we'll let that one go. I think in all sports, if you make a big play, you should be able to celebrate for three seconds unpenalized. And I'm thinking of Zach Harrison when he did this over the defender after getting a sack. And they gave him a penalty for Steven, it. And Steven he, just flexed his muscles. That's what he Yeah, did. I don't yeah. know what part is going to end up on YouTube, so I'm just going to do it. And so – Most of the thousands and thousands and thousands of people that – or the reason we do this five days that's a week. True. None of them see. That's, that's true. That's, that's yeah. fair. You guys should check it out, though. But, yeah, when he flexed over the kid, and they, he said that they explained to him it's because he did it over him and not just did it out in public. No. He deserves that three seconds to celebrate that, hey, I made a big play, and it came at your expense. He should be allowed to do that. Yeah, because and, and I do think there's a difference between flexing over someone and, like, flexing at someone. Right. I, like, and there's a difference between celebrating and taunting, but just because you happen to be over top somebody and you flex, I mean, that's normal. But if you bend down in their face, I don't think you should be able yeah. to get in someone's face and be like, that's well, not, no, that's right. not, that's just mean. Why would anyone be that mean? But if you are just ex, ex celebrating for you with the crowd, three second rule. I love it. I think if, if you don't want Zach Harrison flexing over top of you, tell your offensive lineman to, to block. I mean, I, I, I think I, creative taunting should be not only allowed, but encouraged. <laughs> it should be, I think in football, that should be the conversion. It shouldn't be a, a runner yeah. pass play. It shouldn't be a kick. You should have to come out and do some sort of a taunting, like a, like a skit. And then there'll be a judges and they'll give you either one point or two or zero. I like that. Yeah, I was going to sing one of the skits I did at camp in seventh grade, but I don't think that's what anybody wants. Um, not. What's the not. matter, Ma? Ma? No, no, no. Ma? No, no, no. What's the matter, Ma? Ma, Ma, Ma. We've come to get the money for the mortgage on the cow. Okay. Good. You guys know what I'm talking about. The people out there, they get this it. Was, you guys are shaking This was dairy camp? It was dairy, yeah. That's, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. You probably, tell me you don't know that song. Dairy camp. I've never heard that song before. <laughs> no. I went to I went to summer camp out in the the woods outside of Terre Haute, Indiana, for years, and I've never heard that song. Dairy camp. All right, let's get to the running backs. The real question here is, would Trey Sermon come back? And it's funny, Kennedy Brooks. We talked about this on the Tuesday pod. Kennedy Brooks, like the running back at Oklahoma, who sort of like took Trey Sermon's job, and I think at least tangentially, it con contributed to Trey Sermon transferring. He has opted out. So we don't know what's up with Trey Sermon. We only spent, I don't know, 73 hours this offseason debating how much Trey Sermon was going to help the Buckeyes this year. I think if they do play a winter or a spring, then Trey Sermon's not back. He's off to the NFL. And Travion Henderson, Master Teague, and Marcus Crowley and Evan Pryor can fight it out 
for the running back spot next spot next fall. And I think if they don't play, like Trey Sermon still could go to the NFL. He's hot, pretty high on draft boards. But I don't know if he would want to come back because he feels like he wants to put a really good season out there and maybe he could really help his draft stock. Steven, just we're trying to get in Trey Sermon's head. I think Ohio State would take him back and maybe Travion Henderson and Evan Pryor wouldn't be thrilled about it. But what, do you think Trey Sermon, could you envision maybe a world where Trey Sermon is his Buckeye still in the fall of 21? Yeah, because it, I understand he's high on draft boards, but he still hasn't necessarily put it together for a full season on film. And I think he knows that. And that's part of the reason why he left Oklahoma and came to Ohio State. So if there's a 2020, if there's a January season, he's gone. If there's not, I think he's back in the ball of 2021. And I think Travion Henderson and Evan Pryor would understand it, especially that they're freshmen and they still have two years left of eligibility to, you know, make up for that. And starting as a true freshman is a big deal. So it's not a crazy if Travion Henderson is basically his, is Trey Sermon's backup for a season and then takes over the job in 2022. And I'm not giving up on Trevian Henderson still getting on the field a lot in 21, even if Trey Sermon's right. here. Nathan, do you generally agree with that idea? Could you envision a world where Trey Sermon is still a Buckeye next fall? I can envision it. There are a couple of reasons why I think it isn't going to happen, though. Number one, this is a guy who just had to come off his own injury to get ready again for this season. I think that's going to be something in the back of his mind that if something bad were to happen, now you're putting yourself even farther back. you got to come back from an, yet another injury. I know it's a, it's a thing for every player, but he just came off of one. And, and, and now you're going to be back-to-back seasons with that. It, it makes you less desirable of a draft product whenever you do finally come out. The other thing is that part of being a prospect is your age. It's your skill. It's your development ceiling relative to your age. And every year these guys get older, that ceiling drops a little bit as far as what teams can see as far as what they're going to get out of them with their NFL careers. So he's a guy that I think it's, it's unfortunate. It's too bad for him. I think he would probably just be a guy who ended up with a loss season and he'll go off and maybe, he'd be, maybe he's like a mid-round NFL draft pick and, and just gets on with his career. Maybe he still has a pretty strong career. I don't know that he necessarily – because I, don't, I also don't know that he comes back the way running backs are looked now at as well. I don't know that he comes back for any kind of a year at Ohio State and jets himself all the way up into, like, the first round. I don't know that he can come back and – he'd have to do – I mean, J.K. Dobbins wasn't even a first-round draft pick. I agree with the age thing because often running backs age like milk in the NFL and they go from hot commodities to not being anything. So I kind of agree with – what is he, 21, 22 years old? I, I agree with that. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's very sensible. And who knows, but do you think if he wanted to come back, Ohio State would be happy to have him back? Or would they maybe be like, eh, it's getting a little crowded in here. Would they be like, well, it's crowded, but there's not a lot of experience. So, yeah, we'll take you, Trey. Because that's why they took him now. But, but they also, you're yeah. throwing Henderson and Pryor in, but there's still yeah. not a lot of experience. I think I know they might be hesitant there, just because now you're, you're throwing him back into a room that also just added two more bodies. So I think they they consider it, but they might be a little hesitant just because you can just turn it over to a five-star if you want to. If you believe what they say about people like Marcus Crawley and Steel Chambers, that they think that there's a place for those guys, then I, I do think that's a tough decision. You're also talking about somebody, and I know this isn't fair, but you're talking about somebody who has only been an Ohio State football player for three or four months, has never actually worn an Ohio State uniform in a game. I, it, that it, does, should that involve, should that come into the equation at all here as you're trying to decide how you handle a guy coming back for that extra year it comes into his for sure and I think it would come into Ohio State's I mean you just it's no again it's no offense to that guy but I mean compared to right I don't know these guys have made long-term commitments to the Ohio State football program and Trey Sermon hasn't that's not a knock of any kind against him it's just a fact yeah 
I think it would be interesting. I mean, I think, again, the, for a lot of reasons, and I think this is part of why, it's, it's not in the top five reasons why Ryan Day wants to play in the winter. I think Ryan Day wants to play in the winter because he thinks he has a national – he knows he has a national ch- championship caliber team, and he'd like to see him on the field together. He wants to get a season for Justin Fields, and he just wants to play. But, I, like, roster management stuff like this – Again, if Trey Sermon can play his eight games in the winter, then there's not a question. There's no way. Even though he could come back, thanks to the NCAA, he wouldn't come back. It just might get sticky if they don't play at all. Tight end, and I'm jumping to tight end. We'll get to running back, excuse me, receiver and offensive line and the defensive side too. We'll pick up the pace a little bit. Tight end, I think, is maybe the position on this roster where it works out the best for everybody. Because coming into this year, Luke Farrell, Jake Hausman are seniors. Jeremy Ruckert is a talented junior. Could he go pro? Who knows? I think it's possible that Luke Farrell and Jake Hausman, with extra eligibility, would come back in the fall of 2021, whether they play in the winter or not, and that Ohio State, in a world where behind Farrell, Hausman, and Ruckert, they have Joe Royer and Cade Stover, would be like, Come on back, baby. Is Nathan, you've been nodding your head, Stephen, too, but Nathan, like, is there any downside in the tight end room here, or is this just a win-win-win across the board? Yeah, it, it's a win across the board. I mean, the one thing I will say, kind of going back to the Trey Sermon thing, like, would someone like Luke Farrell, if he goes and, – and the other thing we don't know yet is, are guys in that position – because I think this is important. Are guys in that position who have the option of coming back for their senior year, do they get to do any kind of – like, what if in NFL evaluation process do they get to look at before they make that decision? Right now, they can do – they can get that kind of, like, vague report back from the committee or whatever that the players do every year. But assuming that's all they get, if Luke Farrell finds out that there's a teams that think he could be a, a fifth-round pick and they're ready to roster him and you, start, you get your first contract started, which means you get your second contract faster, I could see someone like him or Ruckert going ahead and making that jump. But, but I think it's, it's the best – it's the scenario – it's the one position where the scenarios are the best for everyone. Like, Ohio State gets to keep a fully stocked tight end room with some pretty good tight ends ahead of the ones that they – I think they have some question marks they'd be having to turn to without those guys. It, um, and it, it gives those guys the full breadth of options. They can either – they can do the pro thing and the college thing, and I don't think there's a downside to either decision. And I think Ohio State knows that. And that's why I don't think they're going to end up adding a second tight end in 2021 and just go ahead and do it in 2022 because you might find your second and third tight end if those two guys can come back in the fall. Now, I think, I, I think, I think Rucker could be back too. I think the discussion for Rucker is much the same. Whereas we had thought if Rucker had like either like a big year where it's like, hey, I show what I can do, I can go pro. Or sort of like, a, I'm never going to get the ball enough here to show it. Maybe I just go pro. If they play in January, he'll have his season that's similar. I think if they don't play in January, Ruckert would almost have to come back just to be able to put some more stuff on film. If he has a good year or whatever kind of year in January, he might be in the same spot that he would have been after the fall. I, but he just – maybe it's wrong. Again, we've talked about Hireman and, and, and Vanette were third-round picks. I don't, I don't know what Luke Farrell is. It certainly seems like Luke Farrell would have a chance to play in the NFL, though. But Luke Farrell and Jake Hausman are both Ohio kids. You know, they they grew up with this. They're part of it. I mean, I just part of me, Luke Farrell. I mean, one of the favorite things that uh, from last year that I wrote about was it last year or two years ago? Well, I think it was last year when Luke Farrell's talk about he caught a touchdown and hit the end zone and he almost had tears in his eye. He was so that happy. Was last to, year. 
to score a touchdown as an Ohio State Buckeye. If you tell Luke Farrell, and again, the thing I talked about before, Luke, do you want to come back and play seven more games in this stadium in front of 105,000? I think Luke Farrell might say yes, no matter what. And not that other guys wouldn't, but it's all about a balance. So I just think it really could work out really well there. And what a room where you, it just would give Stover and Royer and the recruits who are coming an extra year to grow. And then when these guys do leave, for 2022, you're just, I think, in a more comfortable spot than you would have been in 2021 when you knew Hausman and, and, and Farrell were going to be gone and maybe Rucker too, and it's just a win-win-win. It's very unusual, but I don't think it hurts anybody, right? If I'm trying to stand up for Cade Stovers of the world, hey, you thought Jake Hausman and Luke Farrell were going to be gone, and here they are again. I think, like, he'd be okay, right? I don't think that's, like, unfair, to Joe Royer and Cade Stover to have Luke Farrell and Jake Hausman blocking them again, right? Or do you think it, it – I mean, that's my, that's my crusade, and I'm saying I think that would be fine. Do you guys agree with that, or do you think Cade Stover would be like, man, I thought I was going to get to play? Well, I certainly agree with that, almost more in Stover's case because we still don't know for sure that he's a tight end yet. I mean, a capital T, capital E tight end yet. Like, he's still probably learning that position. So um, that that process may still be going on into the fall as far as someone being able to play that position at the level Ohio State wants. It works for everybody because everybody will either be in their first or second year at being a tight end, and they're learning from guys who have done it for three or four years. Okay. Receiver. I think the only difference is, is, is there a world where – the craziness would bring Chris Olave back in 2021, or is he probably gone no matter what? Nothing else much changes. We know, we know what's coming with that group. It's, it's all the, otherwise, it's all the same guys we think that would be influenced by this year. All I did in projecting the starters of the either war, to me, maybe if Olave's back, then Wilson stays in the slot, and your slot guys are Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith and the Jigba, and it's Julian Fleming, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave and G Scott outside. If Olave's not back, maybe Wilson goes outside and now you open up a slot spot for Mookie Cooper. But otherwise, you know, there's other guys there, Elijah Gardner, Jalen Harris, there's some other guys floating around. I think Olave is the is the thing we need to talk about. Steven playing in January, if they don't play at all, is the January season enough? Like how much Chris Olave, I, again, look at all the draft lists. He's very well thought of. Do you think it's, it's a little more complicated for him in terms of what he would like to do on the field in his final year as an Ohio State Buckeye? And if he doesn't get a chance to do it, if they don't play in January, would he really want to come back in the fall, do you think? I think that's the one conversation when Brian Hartline sits down with him and Ryan Day sits down with him where they might tell him to leave regardless if they, if they play in January or not. Because, yes, you don't want to leave out on the note he's leaving out on. I know that, that hurts, and he wants to redeem himself from that. But like you just said, draft boards are high on him, and NFL scouts are high on him. And he, I feel like the conversation with him is you have to take advantage of that. I understand – this is a terrible way to leave this school, especially with the way you kind of came onto the scene as a freshman. But even if there's not a, a season in January, I think he's the one guy where they go, listen, you just have to leave. You have to take advantage of what this opportunity is for you. Do you agree with that, Nathan? I mean, I, I think I, I don't I, – I have seen him appear at the bottom end of, of first rounds of some mock drafts. I've seen other ones where he's not mentioned at all. Um, so I, I think there is – 
there is some regard for him out there, but I don't think he's someone who, I mean, when I look at him, I don't see a, a surefire high NFL draft pick yet. I think another year would have really helped put him in that position. And I think if, if, if he wanted to come back for another year, I think Ohio State would take him. I know that that makes that room really, really, really crowded, but I think he is that talented relative, but I'm not sure that he's proven it to the level of putting himself above the other top receivers in any given draft board. I think, draft class. I think he could help himself still. And he might yeah. be able to do it by playing a January season. If he gets good, eight good games in in January, and then he can show who he is. But beyond the emotional part, if for some reason they don't play, I don't know that we've really seen what Chris Olave can do. Because you, you read the draft people on him, great routes, turns people around, like just really precise, goes up and gets balls. I, I think he can show even more than what he has shown. And – Here's another example. I, I, don't, I don't think it would be like a terrible blockade of anybody behind him because most of the guys, I mean, they're, the guys behind him are so young for the most part and they rotate six and I think it would be okay. I think it could really, an unexpected fall for Chris Olave in 2021, I think would be good for Ohio State, be a great bonus. Yes, he wouldn't have Justin Fields throwing to him, but I think it maybe could be good for, for Chris Olave. If they play in January, I would guess no, he's not back. Because I think he'll have a good January and February. If they I, don't I play, they don't play, then I really think he might think about it. Because I just, I just don't know that he's maxed out what he can show NFL people right now. I think he's flashed it. Um, and I think I – mean, I know it's different. I know, I know it's different positions, but, like, compare it to Sean Wade. Like, hadn't Sean Wade – at this point of his, you know, at the end of last season, I kind of see him as almost the Chris Olave of cornerbacks. And he still decided to come back for another year because he had more that he could prove with by expanding the role and doing some other things. And I think, I think Chris Olave has done some good things, but I also don't like, I don't know. It's some of, it's just a thing that you, you like, it, it's an X factor, right? I don't know if I've seen that X factor from Chris Olave where I'm like, Oh, obviously he needs to go to the NFL right now. Yeah, I think I agree with that. But, and, and bottom line, Steven, because part of this is we want to get people excited about – or not excited. We want to give them information about the fall of 2021. I mean, we think the receivers are going to be pretty good in 2021. But, but, again, it would be hard. It would be hard. I think the worst-case scenario for the receivers is there's no season at all. Olave leaves, and now you have a lot of these guys and Julian Fleming and everybody else – yeah. have not been on the field at all yet, and now they're even going to be relied upon more. I don't think that's going to happen. Like, I don't think that – that's a pretty small window. They don't play at all, and Olave leaves. But that would be a little bit of a tough spot just from an experience standpoint, I guess, right? But the talent's going to be there. Yeah, talent's clearly going to be there. But if Chris Olave does leave and they don't play in January, then it's the Garrett Wilson show because that's – I mean, if whoever the first, the first year starting quarterback is, that's all they're throwing to, which I don't mind, but that's not – signs of a good offense i mean it's going to be the garrett wilson show regardless come on i mean like steven yeah. has patented steven is the executive producer on the garrett wilson show so that is happening we're expanding, no matter what else yeah we're expanding i just the podcast network to include the garrett wilson show it's going to be steve that's the other one that steven's going to do five days a week and it's like is, is garrett wilson on today no no garrett wilson couldn't make it today it's just going to be steven talking about garrett wilson some more it'll be the it's, opposite of o magazine where oprah's on the cover every month this will be the garrett wilson show but he never comes anywhere near it yeah it's i can't like, wait until 2021 we're trying to get garrett wilson we'll see he might be on tomorrow 
Stay tuned to find out if Garrett Wilson. Is this a running joke? <laughs> I just say at the start of every episode, like, well, Garrett Wilson may be a guest today. Yeah. Stick around to find out. Right. Into the fourth segment after the eighth commercial. Offensive line. I have my weird offensive line um, projecting what the starting lineup could be, and my projection did not change whether they play in January or not because my assumption is that neither Thayer Munford, Wyatt Davis, nor Josh Myers will be back in the fall of 2021 regardless. Um, does anybody dispute that? Does anybody think there's a scenario where one of the three of them or any of the three of them take advantage of the extra year? I left open a sliver of, an op- of a possibility where if there is no season at all, fall, fall, winter, spring, whatever, no season at all, that for some reason this is the vibe I get that Josh Myers is like so committed still to playing another year of college football and being that leader in a way that maybe he didn't get a chance to last year. I, I, I leave open a sliver that it would happen. I don't know that that's the most prudent decision for him though. I think he's, he's NFL ready. I think the NFL teams are going to see that. I think he'll probably go. Because he's an Ohio guy. I agree with that. And I think like Thayer Munford is an Ohio guy, but he's just had yeah. some injury stuff that I just feel like he's older. there's, there's a little bit more of a risk for him of like, man, Thayer, you might just have to go and try to do this mm-hmm. because you don't want to get hurt in college. And then Wyatt Davis is, is going to be the best guard in the draft and did not Maybe grow up as a Buckeye. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't think that's crazy. I would bet against it, but I, I actually don't. I think that's a very important point that you make Nathan, that if Josh Myers I would bet against it too, but I think there's a chance. So does anybody have, I have my projected starting offensive line then for the fall of 2021. Someone else can go with theirs first if they want to, if you have your starters projected or I can go ahead with mine. Well, mine, I, I, mine doesn't change very much either. It's just, I don't know what to make of those three interior spots with hundred percent certainty who goes where. Um, but I had, I had Paris Johnson and uh, Nicholas Petit Frere at the tackles and then in the middle, um, Harry Miller, Luke Whipler, and Matthew Jones was who That's I went I, with. But I also I, – but I don't I, – right now I would just leave Miller at guard and, and just have Whipler move up and be the center. But I could totally see Miller moving back to center and then Whipler takes one of the guard spots. But I, I don't know yet how those three spots would, move, would work out. I love I put Harry Miller at the center just because I think that's the plan they had him on where he'd be the backup center his first two years and he'd be the starting left guard as a sophomore and then he'd just be the center and I think Luke Whipple would probably be on the same trajectory where he's probably Harry Miller's backup center and a starting guard until Harry Miller leaves. So here's my wrinkle that I just came up with today as we record this Tuesday afternoon. Um, I have Dewan Jones on the brain a little bit. The big kind of very interesting guy at tackle. And it does feel like sort of like that third interior spot as you're trying to project to 2021 is a little uncertain. Harry Miller's going to be a sure thing. You feel kind of confident just because of his recruiting ranking about Luke Whipler. And then the other guys are either kind of unknown, even like an Enoch Vamahe, right? A little unknown. Um, Matthew Jones has been here, but hasn't done a ton yet. So I wondered about moving Nicholas Petit Frere to guard and a world where is it possible that when you think about who your five best offensive linemen are by the fall of 2021, is it possible Paris Johnson, Nicholas Petit Frere and Dewan Jones are three of your best five. And if it's that, if that's true, one of them has to move to guard and Dewan Jones is not moving to guard. Dewan Jones is like practically seven feet tall. Paris Johnson's going to be a first-round NFL pick. He's not moving to, to guard. Nicholas Petit-Ferris, 6'5". He's not 6'8". 
you know, he didn't win the job last year. He's in a fight this year. Um, you know, he was a five-star recruit, but he didn't, no offense to him, he didn't take the program by storm. So I, I just wondered about that. Is that something that could work? That if you're trying, if you're looking, you're sort of paging through the various options, and they do have options. They certainly have options for the third interior guy. Could maybe that work? And that would really hinge on Dewan Jones in his third fall on campus being ready to do something. And I don't know. He was raw when he got here. I don't know if that's early in the projection or maybe he would fit right into that. But I, I wanted to throw that out there. And if I had to – it's not like I've talked to Stud secretly about this or anything, but I've been pondering that. If, does that any part of that sound plausible at all? It's, can you still consider a guy who's in his third year in the program, even if he is more of a long-term project? Is that early at that point? Or should you at least start to start – see some return on your investment. No, I think for an offensive lineman, I think for an offensive lineman, the idea of like you red shirt and get your body ready and then you're a backup for two years and then you're going to start in year four and year five. I don't think that would be behind. Now, it's the thing Urban said. Urban said the first two years are on us. Starting in year three, it's on you. He just was – he was a basketball player. He was just a, yeah. a lower-ranked guy. He was even more of a project, I think, than, than many offensive linemen. Um, I don't think that's behind if they would say that he's still, we really like where he's going to get. We still don't know that he's ready to be a starting tackle in the fall of 2021. I don't think it would be behind, but I also don't, it's not like it's early. If he is ready, it's not like, Oh, I mean, it's, it is year three. So I don't know. I, I just think obviously it was against twos and threes whenever we saw him, but he wasn't terrible when we saw him, but yes, I think it's his development, but also Nicholas Petit for keeping on that weight. And he's admitted that he struggled you know, staying above the 300-pound mark and eating and doing the necessarily things to do that. And you do have, have to be a little bit bigger to be an interior lineman than you do as a tackle. So it, if he can do that, then, yeah, I could see that possibility where your five best linemen are Paris Johnson, Nicholas Petit-Frere, Luke Whipple, Whippler, Harry Miller, and, you know, Nicholas Petit-Frere on the interior. Yeah, I, I think some of the, the – the doubt of Nicholas Petit Frere has gone too far just because again, you come in as a true freshman and not a lot of guys play that way. And then you, you lose out a job to Brandon Bowen, who was, who was no slouch. I mean, he was a multiple year starter on the offensive line and got an NFL shot. So uh, yeah. that's the other thing. He's not, he wasn't a, he wasn't an embarrassment out there. It wasn't like, no, he, oh wasn't my drafted. God, he, could, he wasn't drafted. No, but I'm saying, but, but it wasn't like we sat there watching games last year and we're like, Oh my God, Nicholas Petit Frere couldn't beat him out. I mean, Brandon Bowen was a solid football player. So, I mean, but but I think I like the way you're thinking. I like I think Ohio State should be creative and think about it in that that circumstance. I also though would say it's not as easy as just being one of the five best offensive linemen. I don't think I don't assume that the tackle guard responsibilities are that interchangeable. I think he would have to show the things. It's a different skill set as an offensive lineman. You do have to learn some different things. So, if he could do that better than or as well as some of the other guard options they have yeah I think it's a plausible opportunity I think it's not part of the problem with Nick's petite Fred though but is that he wasn't the third tackle last year Josh Allaby was yep and so, we've talked about that it, yeah. yeah I mean I I know what you're saying Nathan but like you know there's a lot of NFL guys at Ohio State and sometimes mm -hmm. if you're just blocked or you got beaten out by an NFL guy you know no one's no one's saying someone should have beaten out Jonah Jackson last year. You know, Jonah Jackson was a third round pick and looks like he's going to, he's like starting for the lions in preseason. And from mm -hmm. everything I've read, it sounds like he's going to be a starter as a rookie for the Detroit Ryans. You know, no offense to Brandon Bowen. He's not in the league. And so 
you know, if you were a rip-roaring, ready-to-roll five-star stud, you probably beat out a guy who's not an NFL player. So Brandon Bowen wasn't bad. He was not. But there's a lot of Ohio State linemen who do go to the NFL, and he wasn't one of them. But there is a great big mishmash, and in a good way, of other options in the interior. Matthew Jones, as we mentioned, Max Ray, Ryan Jacoby, who we saw working with the second team in the spring. Again, Enoch Lamahe from Hawaii, who is just an interesting guy. He was, a, he was a top 150 national recruit that Ryan Day famously went and flew to Hawaii for like two hours to get him and recruit him here. And then you have that, that great big group of, uh, of the linemen, a lot of the Ohio linemen from the last recruiting class that, you know, they went out and got those guys early. So it's an interesting group to think about. Um, but I just continue to be sort of very intrigued by Dewan Jones. We'll take another quick break here on Buckeye Talk, come back with it, talking about the defensive options for the Ohio State Buckeyes in the fall of 2021. And actually, maybe we'll start with special teams because there actually are some special teams issues at hand here that I think also could work out for everybody. We'll be right back on Buckeye Talk. All right, back on Buckeye Talk. I wanted to bring this up because they might get a free year of Blake Hobbiel and maybe a free year of Drew Chrisman. And, and yes, they have Jesse Murko from Australia coming in to be ready to punt, the, the punter behind uh, Drew Chrisman. Jake Seibert is on the roster. He's not a scholarship guy at the moment. They have him lined up. But they have a senior punter and a senior kicker, and the guys behind them are very, very young. And maybe both of, the, uh, both of them came here, Jake Seibert and Jesse Murko, thinking, yes, in the fall of 2021, this will be my job. But it's not like they've been sitting around forever. They haven't been sitting for three or four years waiting for their shot. And both Blake Hobbiel at the kicker and Drew Chrisman at punter are pretty stinking good. And I don't know. I mean, again, could they be NFL players? Maybe. I guess they could be. But I don't know if they'd be like, no, 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 I definitely have to go to the NFL now. Maybe they would take an extra bonus year being a Buckeye. This is a spot where maybe, again, it maybe could be a win-win without really harming drastically anybody behind them. What do you think about it, Stephen? Do you think there's any chance we see Hobiel and or Chrisman back in the fall of 21? I wouldn't rule it out. It's not as, you know – much of a yes as it is with the tight end position because it, it is only one guy at each position. But yeah, I could see a situation where you know they both come come back for us for another year, which also allows Jake Cyber and Justin Mirko another year of experience and just developing before they do take the field. So yeah, and I think Ohio State would gladly take back two specialists who are two of the best in the Big Ten for sure. You agree, Nathan? Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, there'll be some of that competition already kind of starting in the winter, though. If, if there is a winter season, you can have those sort of competitions in practice. You see how close those guys are. And then I think as coaching staffs, you sort of evaluate that and make the decision there. If it's a close call, maybe you maybe you just move on. But I also think that, like, you're always – with special teams, you're always, like, one – like, think last year, you know, you're always one uh, broken toe away from having to go to a walk-on at those spots. And, and I think that can be – uh, sometimes the difference between whether or not you're um, you're winning some games late or not, or late in the season or not. So uh, having some depth at those spots is is something that's um, usually a luxury and would be like the one sort of COVID benefit was you get to have the luxury without or the 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 depth without having to w- spend extra scholarships on it. 
I don't know how good Jake Seibert and Jesse Merko are. I don't think they're going to beat out Blake Hallbeal and Drew Crispin. Probably right not. Now. No. So, I, I, and, I think more of the competition is just if they show enough development in January to where, like, they're good enough and it's like, okay, you can move on, then I think they, they'll be ha- happy to move on versus competing to actually win the job in January. Yeah, there's not going to be a competition. If Blake Hallbeal no. and Drew Crispin want to come back, they're going to take them back. These younger guys aren't going to beat them out. And they're not, I don't think they would qualify as being unfairly blocked because Mirko would still be on track to be a three-year punter and Cybert would still be on track to be a two-year kicker. So I just don't think, I mean, we're, we're like having an imaginary discussion about well, what if, uh, what if Blake Hobbiel, who's been the kicker for four years, gets beaten out by a guy who's never kicked a field goal in college before. It's like, I don't know. What if, what if an alien comes down and beats out Blake Hobbiel? I just think they'd both, it's a matter of, do they want to come back? I think you'd welcome them back, and it's their jobs if they're back. I just think – I think, it's, again, it's a, it's a very specific position, experience, how good they are. They're good in college. I don't know that they're aching to get to the NFL at all costs right this second. I just think it could work out. Let's start backwards and work forwards on the defense. I think the safeties are back because the world of, like – and I, this is, we've talked about it again. Some of the stuff we talked about in the off season just got blown up along with everything else in the world. The whole Marshawn Lattimore, Malik Hooker have a great year as a one-year starter and go. I, I don't know that even if they play in the, in January, could Josh Proctor have that year? Or is it like, well, Josh Proctor. And again, Marcus Hooker was getting some reps in the spring, in the summer too. I think Josh Proctor and Marcus Hooker are both going to be back for the fall of 2021, just because stuff got jacked up. Steven, do you agree? Yeah. Yeah, they'll be back at this point. There's no – yeah, it's just that simple. I mean, for the guys, to me, if you are looking to have – if you don't have that much film and you're looking for a big breakout year to say, I'm going pro off one year as a starter, I think it might be harder to have that kind of year in an eight-game January, February. Especially when you're only playing against the Big Ten for the most part, which doesn't have a lot of high-level passing offenses outside of what you see in practice. So they would need to be historically good. And I don't think – After I, one year. I think the NFL – right. Because if they're great, even if they're great, the NFL might be like, well, it was – The best receiver in the conference isn't playing. Right? So I don't know. I just think, I just think the opportunity for breakouts – and it will apply to other spots on this defense. A one-year breakout, I just think, is going to be much harder for guys to have. Nathan, do you agree with that? Yeah, the best two receivers in the conference possibly are not playing with if you throw Rondo Moore in there, too. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, now, they, it, it, now, depending on the, the non-conference schedule, how State plays in any given year, that doesn't always mean that they get, even a full season, you get that many more um, high-flying uh, offenses to go up against. They would in this cycle because of, you know, I think Oregon's got some guys who could probably, you know, just that style of play could challenge him a little bit, but no, I think you're right. I think both safeties would be back. And I do think, but again, you also get the bowl sometimes, right? I mean, you get, I mean, it's just, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah, are, yeah. you're missing a couple showcase opportunities that just make it harder to be a, a one-year breakout cornerback. Sean Wade's not going to be back in the fall of 2021. The one guy that I thought, again, maybe, I don't know, Marcus Williamson as a senior, as a guy that felt like, okay, he's legitimately in the competition, maybe to be the slot corner. Whether they play in January or not, I don't know if Marcus Williamson might be open to coming back and they would be open to having him back. Nathan, what do you think of – I think that Marcus Williamson at corner 
is the guy most directly affected by this situation. Yeah, I actually have him on my list. Like if, if, if that's a possibility to have him probably come back. I mean, it may depend on whether or not if they don't have a, a season in the winter, that maybe that would make it more likely that he would come back. If there's no football at all, that might make it more likely for him to come back. But just because he has this opportunity and it sound, we were hearing good things, we were seeing good things. And um, I think there's a, there's a definite possibility because it, and if you look at it, it's not that different than if a guy in his position – um, gets hurt or something, and then they get that extra year to come back and play. Or what Jonathan Cooper did last year, you know, taking the red shirt so that he could come back and have a healthy year. I would kind of see it as, as similar to that same kind of scenario. I think if Marcus Williamson gets to play in January, he doesn't come back. And if he do- doesn't get to play in January, he doesn't come back. Why wouldn't he come back? Because he's, he's a one-year starter at slot corner as a fifth-year senior, and he's so eager to get to the NFL? Why wouldn't you come I, back? No, just because he had the year to play. I, I, I don't know if they – I don't know if they openly take that back, especially with what you have coming in. What do you have it, coming in? A large amount of corner that you're getting. So, I mean, here's my question. I don't think we're thinking about this the right way. Marcus Williamson, what's he going to leave to do? No offense to Marcus Williamson. He hasn't been on the field yet. I don't know that the NFL is going to be pounding down his door. If he gets a chance to play an extra year at Ohio State – Here's my projection. So, and we can start. Seven Banks and Cam Brown are like Josh Proctor or Marcus Hooker. I don't think yeah. they have the one-year yeah. breakout opportunity. So, if you thought, hey, one of those guys could be awesome and leave, I'm going to anticipate now that they're both going to be back in 2021. So, my, I'm anticipating who are your three starting corners in 2021? At the moment, I'm anticipating Seven Banks and Cam Brown are two of them. Who's the third? Well. I think if he wants to come back and he plays in January and looks pretty good, I think Marcus Williamson might come back as a starting corner in the fall of 2021 it, because he plays in the winter and looks pretty good. If he doesn't come back, now you're into the who knows young guys. Maybe Legend or Tyreek Johnson or Tyreek Johnson, but who we did see who was out there and in the mix, right? And we, we don't want to forget Tyreek Johnson, but like the idea of this is a thing. If Marcus Williamson finally got to play, if he starts all eight games in January and he finally got to play, he has not played very much. He's an Ohio guy. He's from the suburbs. He's from Westerville. And then he went to IMG, but he's from around here. He finally gets to play. Why wouldn't you want to come back and play some more in the fall? And I think, and I think the other thing we're forgetting is the, the same thing that applies to the wide receivers may apply to the corners here under Kerry Combs too. I mean, it sounds like he wants to rotate guys. It sounds like he wants to play with a pretty full group as opposed to what they did last year. Cause again, they had three first round talents at those spots. So I, I, that does increase the chances of someone like him coming back. I think just because you're not jamming somebody up as much behind you because you're still rotating more guys. And Legend Cavazos, Ryan Watts, Cam Martinez. Yes. They're in the mix. They would be in the mix. And maybe if Marcus Williamson was back, those guys would be, have a slightly less chance to play more reps because Marcus Williamson is there, but not, they haven't been waiting around forever. They're all freshmen right now. You know, none of them are top 20 national recruit five-star guys who are expecting to come in and set the world who are demanding to play right away. I just think again, Marcus Williamson might be the exact right kind of fit. Yes. They have a gazillion cornerbacks coming in in the class of 2021. But again, if you don't get to play right away as a true freshman, that's fine. I think maybe Ohio State could use Marcus Williamson regardless. 
And I think maybe he'd be interested in coming back regardless. Little, This could be a bonus that works out for both, I think. Now, I also think, though, that it's one of those situations where, yeah, we were hearing good things about Marcus Williamson. That doesn't mean by the end of whatever this next season is that someone like Ryan Watts or Legend Cavazos couldn't also pass him up because, like you said, he's been here a long time and hasn't really done sure. anything to this point. So that's a guy who I could see being in a position of, okay, you gave us this final last season. Yes, you do have another year of eligibility, but where our roster is, and as Steven says, with even more guys coming in after that, Maybe that's maybe the best interest of everyone is you use that final eligibility, final year of eligibility somewhere else. And so that's that, my point. No, your point was if you thought he played in January, he's not going to be. Then he'd at least have the season. So, and you, because of what's coming, even if he doesn't necessarily get on the field, at least he got to have a senior season at Ohio State. I'm not basing it off of he's going to be the starting slot corner. And now he has an opportunity to move to the outside or be the starting corner in 2021. I'm just basing it off of he got his senior season at Ohio State in January. And whether he gets on the like, – just in, he just got his senior season here. So now he can be – he has an opportunity to move on elsewhere. I'm not basing it off of whether or not he's a starter or not. So what, that was my – I misinterpreted your definition of the word play. Because I thought yeah. you meant play, like play. Oh, no, no, no. When I'm saying these guys are playing their senior – I'm just saying they got a chance to be on Ohio State's team their senior season, regardless of them, whether or not they're a starter or not. If he starts in January and February – it's more likely he comes back in the fall. Yeah, that changes things 100%. If he doesn't really factor in in January and February, then maybe in the fall he could go choose to play somewhere else or Ohio State would say it's just not going to exactly fit anymore. So, Mm -hmm. But at the moment we're thinking he's at least in the mix to get on the field if they do play in January and February. All right, let's get to the most complicated spot, linebacker. I I mean, this is night and day. It is absolutely night and day or in between whatever night and day is, which I guess is like early, like early afternoon, like 2.30 or so. Although it's still the day. Late morning? Tough Borland, Baron Browning, and Pete Werner are all veterans who are seniors. Dallas Gantt, Taraji Mitchell, and Kayvon Pope are juniors who are dying to play. If Tough Borland, Pete Werner, and Baron Browning come back next fall, it's going to screw up Dallas Gantt, Taraji Mitchell, and Kayvon Pope. And we have sort of, and I haven't liked it. I just want to keep repeating it. We are not speculating on people's lives. But if you thought, hey, I wonder if some of those backup linebackers are going to transfer. Man, if you're one of those three guys who have been waiting and now the seniors aren't going to be seniors, how can you stay? What are, now you're going to be literally in your fifth year on campus waiting for the chance to finally play. It's crazy to me. My whole 25-minute argument at the start of the podcast was based around this position group. I don't know what the right answer is. Steven, we'll start with you. Let's say, let's say, this is the most, this is the most difficult. Let's say they play in January. They play a solid eight-game schedule. And they play in the Rose Bowl for game nine. But let's say that Baron Browning, Pete Werner, and Tuff Borland all want to come back. They'll take it. Even Baron Browning, he's so excited. He finally got in his most comfortable position. Yes, he wants to go to the NFL, but he wants one more year of film in the fall. Would you take all three of them back and tell the three guys behind him, I'm sorry, but we're taking back our starting linebackers? Or if you were Ohio State, would you have some conversation with some part of Borland, Warner, and Browning and be like, you've been great for us, 
you've been multi-year starters for us, but we have to keep the flow going. What do you do? I, it's the toughest call yeah, in this exercise, I, which is why I, we I, held it for an hour and 35 minutes into it. This is the toughest call. I think you have to move on because no matter which decision you make, you're going to lose somebody. All six of those guys are not going to be in the room in, 20, in the fall of 2020, 2021. Either you're going to you know, lose guys to transfer or you're going to lose guys to graduation into the NFL. And I think in that situation, you have to tell the guys who have clearly had their opportunity, you got your opportunity and you made the most of it. We have to move on to these guys behind you who have been waiting. And because of the situation, they had to, we wouldn't be making them wait that much longer because of something that was out of their control and out of our control. Nathan, do you agree? I do agree. Um, I, the thing that complicates it is that those guys are clearly ahead of those other three guys, right? And if you're trying to win, they help you win more than those other three guys because that's why they keep playing ahead of those other three guys. Like, they're better. Ohio State is very clearly saying those three guys are better linebackers than those other three guys. And you would assume that would still be the case next fall. So – I, I think I agree, though. I think, and it and it also has to do with the guys coming in behind too. You've got Reed Carrico coming in behind. You've got Court Williams already on this roster. You've got other linebackers coming in behind who might, by their second year, um, I don't know about Carrico as a true freshman, but it was certainly by his second year for someone like Court Williams, you're expecting him to be able to maybe find a way to get on the field. So it it, it starts to get really tight. Um, I, I think I probably now, and I also think those three guys aren't equal too necessarily i think you may look at someone like baron browning differently than you look at tough borland in that situation okay so we have what you guys would do what do you think ohio state would do tough borland is the only the third excuse me the second three-time captain in the history of ohio state football but man it is time for dallas gant or taraja mitchell to get on the field it really is i mean that's just true that's just a fact you're not supposed to play college football for five full years you're just not that's not how it works but tough Borland is like beloved. So what will they do if that's the scenario? And also what would tough do? Would tough come back and say, let me do what I want to play. I, I maybe I'm wrong. I don't think tough Borland's an NFL linebacker. I, I hope he proves me wrong. Good luck to everybody. I hope all 85 guys on scholarship make gazillions of dollars in the NFL. I don't think he's an NFL linebacker. Would he come back and block Taraja Mitchell for a fourth year? Or would he be like, I get it too. I'm not even going to put anybody in that situation. I get it too. And if a, if a Borland family member is listening to this, it's an impossible situation. I'm not trying to put the squeeze on tough Borland. He's been a great Buckeye. He's gotten criticized by tech subscribers. We've criticized his play at time. This would be an impossible situation. But this is, again, from the whole thing, it's an impossible situation for tough Borland and Pete Warner and Baron Browning and Dallas Gant and Taraja Mitchell and Kayvon Pope because the NCAA, I think, needlessly cracked the door on creating this situation. So what would tough do? Nathan, you have an answer. What would tough do? I, I think tough Borland, I think tough Borland's in Ohio State career ends with 2021. I think whatever happens in this next season, and if no season before happens, the fall, I don't before think the fall. Back. Yes. Before the fall. So winter yes. of 2021. Correct. I think a three-time captain would get it and would gladly move on. I don't do know about you, gladly, but I think, he would, I think he would move on. 
Do you, I think it is, I think the word unfair and life isn't fair and I get it, but I think the word unfair does apply to the situation if somehow Gant, Mitchell, and or Pope would continue to be blocked by one of those guys if they are good enough to play otherwise, right? I mean, it's not unfair if people get beaten out all the time, but is that is that an appropriate word? And I really am thinking, I thought Taraj Mitchell was maybe going to, I mean, like, I thought Taraj Mitchell might have played last year. So if you're telling me that Taraj Mitchell didn't really play that much in 19, now he doesn't play in 20, now he's also not going to play in 21, like, that is bonkers to me. Is that, Nathan, actually unfair? Or is it just life in the big city, win the job, and if you don't, we're sorry? I think it's it's unfair, but it's not that more unfair than if there's no football at all this year, because then Tough Borland still does have another year of eligibility to come back in the fall of 2021, and it's still that fifth-year scenario that you're talking about. Those guys are still blocked indefinitely by the guys who can come back in the fall of 2021. I don't know if I would use the word unfair because it still is sports and you have to go out there and win a job, and he's had those opportunities, but it's just more unfortunate that he's put in this position. But I wouldn't call it Unfair is probably not the right word usage just because it still is sports. I think it might be unfair. Um, it's a very specific analogy, but I just I – w- I would feel bad for those guys. I would feel really bad and like – but I think you're right. I think they would have to – I don't think they would stick around for it. But and, you, you say, like, if there's no football at all, and we know there's not going to be any this fall, and if they can't play in the spring and winter and all those guys can come back next fall with their eligibility, that's the exact scenario you're describing. It's not, it's not mandated by the NCAA. It's just what's naturally going to happen. All those guys will still be – everybody just transports their eligibility into the – their status into the fall of 2021. So all three of those guys are still stuck behind all these seniors. And, uh, but I maybe guess, Baron Browning who might still go off to the NFL. But the thing I guess I would say is like – so in that situation, if you said – if you did say we're sorry, like you don't get extra eligibility, you just have to move on or whatever, that would be unfair to Tough Borland and Pete Werner let's say, if you think maybe Baron Browning would go to the NFL anyway, and I don't disagree, but it would be unfair to those three guys that they lost their senior year. But the alternate, I don't think, would be that much less unfair to, to different people, right? Because everybody's missing this season. But the hard thing that you get into is the year of eligibility versus the year of your life. So, yes, those other guys could now stick around for a fifth year of college if they wanted to because Gant and Mitchell and Pope would get the extra year but now they're six years removed from high school, you know? And it just like starts getting bonkers of like, oh my God, how long do you want to be here for a chance to play? Whereas if you just, if you just sort of make the people, if you just make the seniors absorb the hit and they take almost like all the hit and then everybody else sort of gets to move on normally, right? Rather where if you try to, if you try to protect the seniors, then you spread out the harm a little bit. I don't know that you lessen it, but you spread it out among more people. And it's just a, a situation of, is that a better solution? So Stephen, what were I you want tough Borland. I want tough Borland to be the first player in big 10 history to uh, defend his PhD thesis on the same day that he plays a big 10 football game. Yeah. But, which is just, I mean, it's just hard. I mean, there's a million unfair things to a lot of people here. Um, but again, talk when I talked to Monica Johnson and G. Scott, they were saying like their kids will be okay. They're really worried about the seniors. So the player, the families of the younger players are trying to think about, you know, these poor seniors who might have their final years interrupted. But I do think there's an extent where trying to avoid that actually does more harm than good.
Uh, I just it think stinks the, for everybody. I think the linebackers more than any other position group here needs a January season because it gets that much more difficult if there's no January season to yeah. tell anybody to leave or do anything. You asked what Ohio State would do. I mean, we have some examples of this, right? I mean, they they helped Justin Hilliard come back. They wanted C.J. Saunders to come back, even though he really didn't have a playing role on this team in the coming fall. And, and the scholarship situation was tight, but they were ready to let him come back. Um, you know, they, they went forward with the, the Jonathan Cooper thing last year, even though they've got, I think, plenty of defensive ends to go around this year. Not that he can't help them. It's just that it, it, it seems like Ohio State, this coaching staff has definitely leaned towards letting those sort of veteran leader you you've you've sacrificed a lot guys come back right but they're not really starters i mean cooper's like a half starter saunders wasn't going to play hilliard plays against wisconsin and that's all yeah. that's John the only one who has a, a defined role of those three they're not so. they're not blocking guys i mean because I, I, as we said before it's not really about the eligibility it's about the reps it's about the reps that i mean because there's no harm they can pay it there's no limit if you want to come back, that's fine, but it's a matter of if, if Pete Werner or Tough Borland or Baron Browning was a starter, are you going to tell them, well, yeah, you're welcome to come back, but actually we're going to start the other guy because it's their turn, right? So I, I, I know what you're saying, Nathan, but I think it still would be a different situation here than with these guys who've been waiting to play. No, I don't think they would do that, though. I don't think they would put both those guys on a roster and say, you're welcome to come back, but the other guy gets a start no matter what. I think it would still just be a competition, which is probably why they would avoid the competition to begin with. Right. You'd have to make the decision because what's going to change? The, well, the older guy's beating out the younger guy for three years, so what's going to change? So, mm, right. Um, I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things. And you can extrapolate. It's a straw man thing, but it's like, well, what if you said, what if you said Chase Young could, got granted magic fairy eligibility for 10 years and he – was a gazillionaire and was happy to play at Ohio state for 10 years and nobody else got to ever be a starting defensive end at Ohio state for 10 years. Like, would that be fair? Would that be the right thing to do if you could do it? If you could snap your finger or is it like, that's be not fair to big 10 quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. Like that's not how it's supposed to work. Right. I mean, like right. there's, there's a way this works. So, all right, let's finish off the defensive line real quick. So Jonathan Cooper, we just mentioned he's in the mix at defensive end. Um, I think there's a, it's, there's like no starters and there's five starters at defensive end. So I think it's sort of complicated to talk about. So like, I think Tyreek Smith is an interesting situation. Again, a guy like we thought maybe he had a chance to have such a good year in 2020 that maybe he'd have a chance to go pro. Will he be able to flash that? Will, will Jonathan Cooper, if they don't play at all, or will Jonathan Cooper, even if they do play, would he come back? Would you want him back? I could see a world where, if like Cooper and Tyreek Smith both aren't back in the fall of 21, I think Jack Sawyer all of a sudden becomes like a potentially pretty significant part of the rotation. But if for some reason you have Jonathan Cooper, Tyreek Smith, Zach Harrison, and Tyler Friday all back in the fall of 21, now Jack Sawyer is maybe going to have a little bit harder of a time getting, getting on the field, just like Chase Young was the fifth defensive end as a true freshman. So how do you see this? Jonathan Cooper, I think, is especially a sort of a similar case to other ones we've talked about. Nathan, how do you think the defensive ends might shake out? I, I don't have him on my list of guys who would come back. Um, he's just one of those guys that I feel like because of the depth in the room, um, as much as he means to this team, 
from a motivational standpoint. The other thing you got to remember is at some point, other guys have to step up and fill that role too. I mean, they've been developing towards those leadership roles too. I don't think you can necessarily, um, it's, it's healthy for a team for that voice to change over time too. So I don't know that they would necessarily bend over backwards to find a way for him to come back just because I think that that position is already crowded. I already don't know how huge of a role he has this year. And it, I think it gets even tougher when you start talking about the talent coming in next fall. Yeah, I don't think Jonathan Cooper's coming back for fall 2021. And as far as Tyree Smith, if he's the Josh Proctor for the defensive end room, I wouldn't rule out him being able to have a breakout year in, in the January season and leaving because it's not the same. He's not relying on you know great passing teams for him to be a dominant defensive end. He could still have a breakout year because there's plenty of good offensive linemen in the Big Ten, Big Ten who are still playing this year. So he could still have the – type of year where he could bounce after a January season. So I won't rule that one out, but with Jonathan Cooper, I think it's January or nothing. Steven, do you think the way this is working out, Jack Sawyer has opted out of his senior year of high school football. Uh, You wrote about uh, on cleveland.com on Tuesday, he's trying to organize a summit of some of the Ohio state recruits in Columbus. Do you think this accelerates or decelerates the sort of the discussion we had with Kyle McCord does Jack Sawyer have more of a chance to play in 2021 in the fall, less of a chance or the same amount of a chance given what has happened compared to a normal season? I'd lean on more just based off the conversation I've had with him and how he's talked with Larry Johnson and how you know, he's got a nutritionist now. And he's, he's been, he looks like a college defensive end now and not some sophomore high school basketball player. Um, I think his, I, the idea with him is that January would be what, Chase's freshman season was where he was the fifth guy in the rotation, but he wasn't necessarily a consistent part of the rotation. So that way he can roll into 2021, the fall where he's still technically a freshman, but he's a sophomore experience wise and he's a normal part of the rotation. That's how. Is he technically a freshman? Why is he technically a freshman? That's Ryan Day's plan. Nobody has said that's the actual plan. Uh, no one has said that's just that's how he's been receiving it. I'm not saying that's how this is actually going to work out. Where he's going to be a he's actually going to be able to be a freshman in two different seasons and one calendar year. I'm just relaying how he's received this information. That's what Ryan Day's telling him. If you, right. I don't, I don't think that's actually going to work. I, I know it, it can't. I, I can't. I can't see that. That's although. Well, but hold on. So the if, fight is in the same calendar year. But if so, everybody, if everybody who's playing, if every fall athlete is getting an extra year of eligibility anyway, why then that they? includes the incoming freshman, right? And it doesn't actually throw off their clock either because they would have been freshmen in fall 2021 either, anyway, so they would just roll into the 2022 season as sophomores. So the bottom line is, but the bottom line is if you thought – and this is one of those things, again, in a world where Jack Sawyer chooses to use all of his eligibility, where if he is following the Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, Chase Young plan, he won't mm-hmm. because the best Ohio State players don't ever do that. It, he, he, I, I guess the, you get an, everyone's getting an extra year of eligibility. So that would include Jack Sawyer playing in January. That, so whatever it is, the idea would be, in a normal situation, if he came in in 21, he could play 21, 22, 23, 24. Now he could play 20 because it doesn't really count, 21, 22, 23, 24. It's the same because he would get an extra mm-hmm. year, whether you call it a red shirt, whether he's technically a sophomore or whatever. So I guess there is not a downside. I'm arguing it's like Ryan Day wants these guys to be able to play and have it not count. Nobody's having it count. 
So Jack Sawyer, so we think again, this could be a very narrow window of all this weirdness might actually accelerate the Kyle McCord clock in getting him on the field, and it might accelerate the Jack Sawyer clock in making him an impactful Ohio State player. Defensive tackles will finish there. Two more interesting guys that I think this some of this stuff applies to. Haskell Garrett and Antoine Jackson are seniors. They're probably are going to be in the rotation at defensive tackle this year with Teron Vincent and Tommy Togiai. I don't know. Are they racing off to the NFL, whether there's January or not? Would they maybe want to come back in the fall? They are more guys who fall into this thing of, I don't know that they're NFL stars. They might be able to help them. It might be time for Teron Vincent to not have them in front of him. Nathan, where are you when you thought about the defensive tackles? Yeah, I don't. it's not a situation where I think that they would tell any of those guys not to come back because the guy behind them is just, it's his turn, It's his, he's ready or whatever. I think it's more about those guys having a read on whether there's a pro opportunity realistically in front of them at that moment. If there is, I don't know that there's a reason to come back. But if there's not, I, I could definitely see that whole unit being back for the fall. And that would be um, end up being a good thing for Ohio State then? It'd be like a little bonus that like, hey, we got Garrett and Jackson for an extra year? I think as of right now, defensive tackle is is not an especially deep position on this roster. And I think that they would welcome that depth back in the fall. Yeah, that depth flipped. Now the ends have all the depth while the tackles don't. So I think they would bring them back because if not, you're relying on second and first year guys for the most part. But this is also one of those, it's like I was saying before, like if, imagine a, a winter season happening and then all those guys still have their eligibility so they can all come back in the fall. But do they get to have some more of an NFL feedback to make that decision than just the, why, the, the mail the mail-in? Why would they, they deserve like, why would they deserve or need any more feedback than what juniors normally get in that process? Yeah, I don't, maybe they don't deserve it. Maybe they don't deserve it. I'm just curious if, if they would make that concession too. If they're already making a concession as far as giving them the eligibility, it, it, as far as you know, helping them make the the best decision possible i think this would follow the the same logical course that they would also get to have some more feedback i, I kind of don't understand why why players don't get that anyway well i do know why it's because the coaches wouldn't like it but um i, I don't see the harm in giving them some more mechanism to get better feedback and but to are you bas- basically just asking would they move back the deadline for when you can declare for the nfl draft it's not so much the deadline of when you can declare it, it's it's are you able to like get more direct feedback from the teams but I guess I'm asking, why, why do you think that they should be able to get more feedback than what a junior who says, I want NFL feedback, asks for and gets now? What's the I, I, think, I think what I'm saying is I think all players deserve more feedback than what they have the opportunity to get right now. Okay. I mean, if that's the case, then yeah. But, I mean, again, it's like guys have decisions to make, and I don't know. Yeah. It stinks for these seniors. But, again, I don't, I don't – there's a, there's a point where it's like, you just have to sort of, this is the deal and we have to figure this out and it can't, we can't upend everything for the, the 75 guys behind you and trying to make sure we recreate a perfect situation for you now. But I do think, I mean, they would be able to get, I assume the same NFL feedback that juniors making that decision do now where it's kind of a rough, you know, well, it's a, a rough grade. It's not super in depth, but it is helpful to your decision. And actually, I guess I would go back and say that uh, I, they probably don't. I mean, you would just tell them like, hey, if you want to use that extra year, it's there for you, but we're not making special concessions that a senior wouldn't usually get. So either you you go on and start your pro career or you know for sure that you're still just a college football player, in which case you come back in the in the fall. I think that's probably the better way to look at it. 
So in conclusion, I, in, in anticipating and counting some of the maybes and not counting some of the other maybes and just going through and trying to figure out who I'm trying to guess maybe would want to be back, looking at the seniors, I have seven seniors, I have 12 juniors, 16 sophomores, 34 freshmen, the guys currently now, and then 21 recruits that I would say that's what I just, you know, the way I finagled things. How many guys would they have on scholarship in the fall of 2021? I got 90. So 85 is the norm. I don't think it would be 102 or whatever the max would be, Stephen, if you said if all the seniors stayed and if all the recruits came. And just to quick finish this up, I got them to 21 in the recruiting class. They're at 18 now. They have an announcement coming on Thursday, and then they have the two Washington five stars. And those are the three guys that I counted as getting their class to 21. As we sit here, can you explain quickly the the latest recruit announcement that Ohio State is waiting on? And then if we're talking about a recruiting number right now, what number are you thinking about for where you think the final number will be for the 2021 class? Yeah, they've been looking to add another interior defensive lineman to this class. and that's Talik Williams. He's probably he's crystal, basically every crystal ball flipped in Ohio State's flavor last last night after he announced he's making a decision. He's the number of 159 player in the country, number 10 defensive tackle. They'll add him along with Mike Hall. So I guess some back up to 19, which they've been kind of bouncing around with all summer with some decommitments, of course. Um, so you add him, but then also, yes, the two Washington kids, but also Tristan Lee, if he comes as well. I, I added another three, so I put it at 22 just to leave the door open for them to add those those three five stars as well. But yeah, Tyler Williams, he's probably going to be the next guy to join the class. Four-star kid out of Virginia. And Ohio State's in Virginia heavy right now. They could end up with four of the top five players in Virginia in this class. Larry Johnson doing his work. So again, just because we were that's, that's out Washington too, because that's his area right now that he's supposed to be recruiting. Obviously Larry Johnson yet, but Al Washington's technically been assigned the Virginia area and he's doing his thing as well. So we always, it's always good to say the days because when you say today, people don't know what we mean because yeah. we record on one day, we release it on another day, people listen days later. We're recording this on Tuesday. Tyleek Williams on Monday said, I'm announcing yeah. on Thursday. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. Correct. So by Thursday, is it Thursday at 5 p.m.? Thursday oh. at 5 p.m. Thursday at 5 p.m., this Virginia guy that Ohio State is after, people are expecting him to announce for Ohio State. The Washington guys are still out there. So maybe they get to 22 uh, if they add Tristan Lee or if they decide there's maybe like – and, of course, you know, they can figure out the numbers. It is going to be – it's one of those things of the senior numbers aren't going to count. I actually do think it gives them a little more flexibility in recruiting because sometimes Ohio State has some trouble trying to figure out what juniors might go pro, what juniors might not go pro. Is this guy, you know, C.J. Saunders, was he going to get an extra year of eligibility? Sometimes when you're getting down to the final, final, final numbers, one or two extra guys can really make a difference. It can be the difference of, oh, my gosh, we can't go after this kid late in the recruiting process because I don't know if we're going to have the numbers. If they have a little wiggle room with the seniors because they're not going to count, I do think it might open up the door for a tiny bit of wiggle room in the recruiting class, and maybe they could take a kid – as the 22nd or 23rd kid in the class, they still can't get up to 80, but they know the seniors aren't going to count, right? I mean, I just, I could see it Mm -hmm. being them working the numbers in their favor a tiny little bit when it gets down to the nitty nitty gritty here at the end. Yeah, they can almost still go 
as far as recruiting wise, go at, attack things as normal because you're not, like you said, considering the extra 17 guys, or maybe even if it's just 10 guys who decide to come back from the senior class. I think it'll and be that, less that than number, 10, but yeah. Yeah, and that number yeah, that you get but, to with the 90 scholarships, that doesn't include, you know, there's always some attrition. There's always a couple guys who drop yeah. off. And because of the rule allowing people to come back, it doesn't preclude Ohio State from still being able to bring in a grad transfer or whatever to a position of need or a guy or a long or a multi-year transfer to a, a long-term need. Now, I do think it'll be interesting, in a, just off the conversation we were having earlier, where everybody's getting an extra year, especially including the incoming freshmen, how many more of these 2021 guys decide they want to early enroll because they know they're going to get an extra season that doesn't count against their eligibility. Right. Yeah, I guess I play in January. Yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, I still, I'm still very skeptical about how many true freshmen come right in and are able to get on the field in that kind of a winter season. I feel like it's, it ends up being sort of just like the spring season would have been for them. Right. Which is, which is valuable, which is why a lot of these kids early enroll. It's not necessarily about playing in January. It's just, Maybe you weren't thinking in a normal year you were going to get that extra six months of being in the program, but now, hey, why not come for those extra six months? I mean, I would argue for the normal spring. I would argue for their development, the usual spring is a lot of times more useful than just coming and standing on a sideline and not getting to make road trips. And, and I, I feel like a usual spring is probably more valuable to their long-term development. Well, they still practice during the season. Yeah, I mean, not... I, I, and it's fun to be around games, but, right? I mean, it's fun to be around that atmosphere – um, even if you're not and getting to play. Program. And you're it's in the fun, program, but... which means Mick Marotti has his hands on you rather than you just sitting at home going through whatever workouts you want to. He can start putting you on your program when you get now, here in January. I mean, yeah, well, how they train in a season is very different than how they train in a spring and winter. And Mick Marotti gets his hands on you in January whether they're playing a football season or not. So, I mean, the idea yeah. of I want to get in and I want to start becoming a college football player, that has not changed. That's no different. I get to sort of hang around a team, not hang around. I get to be part of a team that's playing a season while Mickey Marotti is growing me into a college football player while I'm learning all this stuff for the first time. I also get to like see what Ryan days like during a season. And I get to see what the meetings are like during a season. It just, it adds a little juice, little juice. Everybody likes the juice. So, um, all right, so that was 2021. We just wanted, you know, we don't know what the heck's going on with 2020. So we thought, skip ahead, whoop, go whoop, way ahead to 2021. And I don't know, I hope it's a somewhat normal fall. Man, if we're still doing this in 2021, yikes. So I hope the fall of 2021 is a normal season and we gave you a little peek of what the Ohio State Buckeyes might be like. Make sure you're listening to Buckeye Talk. We have a couple things planned. I don't want to say them yet because we'll let them come together, but we have a, have a potentially really cool Friday podcast coming. I might have an interview for a Thursday podcast, so stay with us. Stay with us. We'll keep doing our thing. Read Cleveland.com. Go to uh, the Apple Talk, uh, Apple Podcast Reviews, and, and say things about us there, nice or otherwise. And uh, try the text at 614-350-3315. Thanks to you guys so much for listening to our big Wednesday podcast. We're doing it five days a week. You know that. We'll keep doing it. For Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice. And that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.